You, you want to see something really scary? What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. Welcome everybody to episode 207 of the Grave Plot Podcast. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it every time. I don't give a fuck. Uh, this is Great Blot Podcast. I, I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. Uh, we're back uh, a week late. We know because um, I was sick, very sick. Entire family sick. Sick with it. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have been following the news at all, but uh, this RSV has been going around, and it, it's it's been around. But now it seems like it's becoming more prominent. It's just, it's really it's a really sick virus. That's what, that's what it stands for. <laughs> yep. Um, but no, it, like I said, it's 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 not a new thing. But it seems like more people, children in particular, are getting sick with it. Um, and uh, I mean, children were always prone to it, and it's always been a concern. But now adults are getting it. Be in. It seems like they don't really know why, for sure. But it, it it's it's a great possibility that because people have been walking around with masks on for three years, that they are not uh, acclimated to those everyday, you know, things that you pick up. We lost all our immunities, basically. Yeah, immunities. What the hell are immunities? Who is blowing us up? I don't know. It's not not on oh not on our end. Got all these other goddamn wait, Bob's in here. Bob. Hi Bob. Um anyway, but yeah, so uh the kid got it. We thought maybe he got it from daycare, which he went to daycare for two days. He's been there for a total of two days, and we thought for certain, and we he may still have but we were very sure that in those two days, he managed to pick up RSV and then gave it to us. And for the last two and a half weeks or so, we've been sick. And if you're not familiar with RSV, basically for adults, it's like it's very concerning for children, especially like infants. Um, but for adults, it's basically just like a, a shitty cold. And... That's pretty much what it feels like, except it's a shitty cold that just doesn't go away. <laughs> uh, for a couple of days there, like I really felt like like death, like just complete garbage, and it, it's been worse than COVID. Really? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, let me just let me uh, not preface, but justify it, I guess. By saying, when I had COVID, it was not bad. I was not one of those people that ended up in the hospital. But 
in my experience with COVID and now RSV, RSV was worse just because the symptoms don't let up. Like it's just shitty all the time. Like your sinuses are so congested and it's like, it's weird because your sinuses are congested, but you're also got a running nose. Oh, that's annoying. Yeah. And then it, of course, you know, just like any other cold starts to drain down into your throat and into your chest. So you're not, now you're having a hard time breathing. It's, it's fucking weak. <laughs> like, and again, in most cases, if this was five years ago, I probably would have been done and over it in like a couple of days. But be, presumably because, yeah, I've just lost any kind of just common immunities to, you know, colds and, and whatnot. It, it just, it hit me hard. Um, but anyway, I'm on the mend. If my voice is a little scratchy or it starts to fail by the end of the show, which very well could happen, it's because I've been congested and coughing for two weeks. So, <clears throat> cool. Yeah. Um, what's new with you, Taylor? Uh, not much. Cool. Yeah. You haven't been sick for two weeks? Nope. Lucky you. What what you what you been up to? Just fucking killing it. Uh, pretty much just uh, working. Yep. Yep. Like a dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't really been up to anything exciting. Sorry. Cool. Trying to watch some uh, some film fest submissions. Gotten through a handful of them. Yeah, I, I really need to start on that. Like I every I think, year, uh, I try to start think, earlier. Are we are we the judges this year? <laughs> It's kind of looking that way. <laughs> we haven't talked to anyone about being judges. It's been hard this year. I think, at least from my perspective, just trying to get everything in order, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, this is our first in-person show for three years. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's It's tough. I don't remember it being... It's difficult <laughs> as far as just getting all the, all, all the, the behind-the-scenes stuff in order. The show itself, you know, once we get people in the seats, it basically runs itself. Right. But getting to that point is the hard part, and it's, I don't know. I mean, being sick and, uh, you know, working. Having a toddler. Having a toddler. That's really adding to things, but... I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe maybe it's not the same experience for you, but it's it seems tougher this year. But well, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I just I I feel like I'm like I don't want to say I'm not as into it this year, but it just feels like in the past I've been more kind of motivated to get things done earlier, and I don't know if it's just because I've been like like because things have gone so smoothly in the past that I'm just like yeah it'll it'll all come together and then. <laughs> I got to be like, wait, it comes together because I put it together. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I, I definitely get that. I'm, I'm kind of feel the same way. It's like, why did this seem so easy in the past? And now it seems like so much work. And like, I'm. I think we got complacent. Maybe. Yeah. But it's just like, I'm, I'm too tired for this. <laughs> Especially now I've got the added pressure of having to do the poster. Yeah. It's like, man, this is a lot. <laughs> It's probably going to be a few years before I do the poster again, I tell you. Well, good thing we know people who do art. Yeah. Um, 
But tickets are on sale now. Greatplatfilmfest.com. We hope you guys will join us in person again uh, at the Art Lodge Theaters in uh, Seattle, Washington. Uh, and submissions. When does this come out? The, yeah, submissions are still being accepted until the end of the month. Mm-hmm. So uh, get those in, and we will have. I don't know. Usually in the past, it's been between twenty and twenty-five. Usually, uh, short films from around the world. Four hours uh, in the early evening, af- late afternoon uh, on February fourth. It's it's a good time. We hope you will join us. Good good time. And shout out to uh, Growler Seattle, who is supporting us once again this year. Yeah, a thank cool you. Uh, dog bar in Columbia City, where Arc Lodge is located. Um, now it's not. What you might be thinking, a bar where dogs hang out and drink beer. That would be awesome. (laughs) That would be awesome. No, it's a bar that serves dogs to humans. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not that either. It's a dog park with a bar in it, essentially. Yeah, which is fun. It's a fun time. Yeah, you take your dog, and then he runs around, and you drink some beers, and everybody has a good time. Yeah, and then you got to walk home, and that's rough when you've been drinking, but, you know, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> then, or you just walk to the theater, and then you watch some some short horror films. Yeah, and then when when it's over, you go back. You go back, and, and you drink, drink some, some more beers. Drink eight beers. Just, yeah. Just drink all day. <laughs> you drink at Growler's, then you go. Go to the film fest, film fest drink more. Drink some more beers. And you go back to Growlers and drink more beers. That's right. It's Saturday. You don't got shit to do tomorrow. That's right. Actually, is our is it the day before the Super Bowl again? Yep, I think so. Super, I don't know. I have Super Bowl twenty twenty three. No, it's the week before this this year. Oh, well, okay. Well, even even more excuse because, like, you know, unless you're like hardcore, <laughs> like unless you've made drinking like a like a like a sport a sport. <laughs> You're not going to want to drink all day and then go drink all day again. That's right. Just do one drinking all day. And if, if you do do that, uh, seek help. Yeah. Because <laughs> you, you probably have a drinking problem. <laughs> right. No judgment. People have drinking problems, but... Uh, little little, look, look little, little judgment. Greatflotfilmfest.com. <laughs> uh, That's the one. Yep. Uh, so what else is new? Um, oh, so not horror related, but just because I'm a child of the 90s, two things I want to mention that are really fucking bumming me out is Kevin Conroy, widely known as the voice of Batman. He's been voicing him regularly since, was it nineteen ninety? Two, I think. Uh, he he passed away recently. Uh, apparently, he had been sick with intestinal cancer for quite some time. Uh, he did not make it public. He didn't want his fans or the public or you know people to be you know memorializing him before he was even dead. I, I presume. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, he passed away recently, and that is just a real bummer because. You know, if you're into superheroes at all in the 90s, then you you know his voice and, you know, what he's what he's done for the character over the years. And, you know, a lot of people consider him, he is Batman. 
like more than anyone else. So, uh, also just found out this morning that Jason David Frank, who played Tommy Oliver in more iterations of Power Rangers than I can even think of, uh, for the last almost 30 years, um, he apparently, uh, died with yesterday. Um, it appears to have been, uh, uh the results of suicide, which <sighs> is just, <sighs> oh, that's fucking heartbreaking. <laughs> this, like, I idolized this guy when I was a kid and did did you watch power rangers at all yeah you did okay the earlier years once it got into the, some of the later years not but i remember like the white ranger and then turning into the green ranger by the way that's what i said <laughs> um but yeah so i just idolized this guy like a lot of a lot of kids did um and that's just something that sticks with you that party something like that uh influential in your childhood sticks with you um and i was always a fan i always loved how he was always so committed to uh carrying on the character um and he did so many different things with it like he um was in like short films like like independent short films and stuff and uh and he he was a regular on like convention circuits and doing like appearances at like comic book stores and toy stores and stuff. And from what I never, well, actually, I, I did meet him once when I was a kid. I was what eight years old, um, and they did like a Power Rangers thing at uh, the Anaheim Convention Center, and I met him for probably two minutes. And I don't know. It's just one of those people that, that sticks with you, you know. Um, and I, I t what really kills me is that he was at Washington SummerCon in June, and I he was there for one day, and I opted to go on a different day oh. because Shatner was going to be there, and I needed I wanted to get something signed for my dad. And Shatner was only there one day. So I went on a different day, missed him, and I'm just like, well, I'm sure he'll be back. So. And it's, you know, it's, it, there are people in your life that, you know, they play a character that becomes part of you sound ex sounds extreme. It, it, it has an impact on you through through your entire life you know from childhood into adulthood it just has a, is a impact on you somewhere deep down and you know it's he's one of those people it's like i wanted to th you know thank him for being there when i was a kid you know <laughs> i didn't mean for this to get so sappy but when i moved when i was a kid i moved around a lot we didn't usually stay in one place for more than like a year or two so I had a hard time holding on to friends. Um, uh, you know, I didn't have much of a social life growing up. Uh, I wasn't very uh, extroverted like my brother was. Um, and so that's why I really fell into like TV shows and movies 
and comic books and stuff because those were just there was those were constant. Um, and like I said, Power Rangers was a big part of that, and his character in particular, just kind of who he was on that show. It was very important to me as a kid who felt isolated. And so it's like when I I wanted to meet him or meet him again, I should say, uh, to kind of express my gratitude and thank him for that and didn't get a chance to. And now I won't be able to. And that, that just really makes me sad. Yeah. But, um, you know, and, and, and suicide, that is just so tragic. Um, I mean, it's, it's really, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's more tragic than any, than dying in any other way, but it's, it's so heartbreaking that somebody would, would feel so lost to do that. Yeah. There's just, you know, without any other health complications or anything else that would cause imminent death, that that is their solution that's their way out yeah and it's just it's tragic and heartbreaking um when it happens to anyone not just celebrities obviously <laughs> um but anyway it's just a, a couple sad things that you know it's like getting to that point in life where it's just like your childhood heroes start dying yeah and um one last thing on the the suicide note i, I want to give a shout out to indie wrestler sean phoenix who has renamed his suicide dive the 988 dive because 988 mm. is the like national the, suicide hotline. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's like the the short code for for the national suicide hotline. I, th- I thought that was really cool to uh, you know kind of raise awareness of that by by renaming that move. Yeah, for sure, that's that's cool. And now John David Frank will never get to fight CM Punk. Jason, dude. that's what I said. Um, or John David Frank, he probably won't fight CM Punk either. Yeah, he had a. I don't. I don't know if he was still active, but he was. You know, once he kind of put acting kind of on the back burner, he was pretty active and he had an MMA career. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he was still doing it or not, but. Um, yeah, I know CM Punk said he wanted to fight him while he was still in WWE, but he couldn't because he was in WWE. And then when Punk left WWE and started fighting, Jason David Frank was like, "Okay, let's fucking do this." And Punk was like, "I, I don't fight YouTube celebrities." YouTube celebrities. He's been a celebrity longer than him. Yeah. Rick. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. So just to round that out, uh, like Taylor said, you know, if you are feeling lost or like there's no answers for you, and you know, if you are considering hurting yourself in any way, please do not hesitate to call nine ninety eight. And speak to somebody that, you know, there were people there 24-7 that that care and that are there to help you. So, anyway. So, that, that's it. That was kind of my, my walk down memory lane slash eulogy, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but I just wanted to kind of get that off my chest and, you know, in the, in the platform I do have. Uh, wearing my my Green Ranger shirt. I noticed that immediately. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, anything else to add before we move on? No. Okay. Well, let's bring the mood back up. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, before we jump into horror business, let's thank some people. Those people are our grave diggers over on Patreon. These lovely, lovely folks uh, send us money every month to for us to continue doing this ridiculous show and talk about Power Rangers and, and Batman. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's not an expensive show we run, but uh, it does cost money. We have to pay for a website and you know where we keep our MP3s and. Everything that we do seems we to do cost for you. Yeah. <laughs> but anything we're not doing, like as far as like talking into a microphone, costs money. Everything else costs money. Pretty much. Yeah. What we're doing right now, this is the free part. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, so it, it does go a long way to help uh, keep the show running. Uh, you know. A lot of things, like I said, it's not expensive, but it it goes a long way because, you know, if we had to pay a lot of this out of pocket, it would become unmanageable uh, quickly. So um, people we want to thank are Carlos Rodella, Gory B Movie, Max Zuleski, Aaron Meyer, Bob Voorhees, and Kevin Nesgoda. Thank you so much, guys. From the bottoms of our hearts, uh, Taylor wants to give you all... Tender little kisses. The butterfly kisses. The butterfly <laughs> Taylor, if anybody wants to join the... Wants to do what now? Join the party. Where can they go? They can go to patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast. You can get perks for as little as $1, but honestly, you can, you can uh, contribute whatever you want. And I mean, like Tony said, any amount is is amazing, and we really do appreciate it. We're not just blowing smoke. Like... The fact that anyone even listens to this is amazing to me, yeah. and the fact that people like it enough to want to contribute to the, to the growth and success of the show is is honestly, uh, it, it does warm our our black dead hearts, cockles. Uh, it it warms our cockles, um, so we do appreciate it. Uh, and like I said, you can get perks for as little as one dollar, five dollars. Get your name in the episode. You can watch the show live uh, on Discord. We are live right now. Uh, you can get customized video messages from me and Tony, different things for different amounts. Uh, so yeah, patreon.com slash great podcast. Or if you just want to make like a one-time donation, you can also do that via PayPal, uh, paypal.me slash great podcast. And not, all, not, not paypal.taylor. Paypal.me slash great podcast. And all the money goes back into the show. We're not doing this to get rich. We're not doing this to, I mean, we would love to be able to quit our jobs and do this full time. That would be fucking amazing. Yeah. But that's not the goal at the moment. At the moment, the, the goal is just to make the show as good as it can be and make things like the Ray Plot Film Fest as, as great as they can be. And, you know, that shit takes money. So, yep. So there we go. There we go. All right. Well, without any further ado, do. Poop. Let's do some horror business. All right, starting out some real-world horror. Uh, we're going to take a trip down to uh, Colombia. Colombia? Colombia. Where they grow... The hills of Colombia. Where they grow the coffee beans. Do you folks like coffee? <laughs> um, yes. So, 
we've talked before about kind of the ridiculous religious beliefs. I mean, of everyone. <laughs> uh, period. Of anyone. Uh, but namely, like, where there's a lot of superstition in, like, Central America, where, uh, like, something falls over. It's like, oh, bruja. No, Chupacabra. <laughs> we just did Club Dread on um, Cult of Splat. And just, like, the scene where um, Pete's body, like, swings through the window. <laughs> and you just hear one off camera go, ah, El Chupacabra. <laughs> <laughs> a great movie oh so good um so uh yeah kind of following on the on the coattails of that like to believe in something that as absurd as a ouija board is just mind-blowing like how anybody could actually buy that as a legitimate source of witchcraft or black arts or whatever i was about to be like what did i recently watch where the kids were using a ouija board and i was like oh yeah the movie we're gonna talk about right. later <laughs> um but i mean honestly if some if you're using that something that parker brother sells <laughs> then it's not witchcraft <laughs> it's caca but that didn't stop uh, about 11 students at a school in Colombia who inexplicably collapsed and were found writhing on the floor in pain after they said they were after they said they played with a Ouija board. So yeah, there's writhing, writhing around like little bugs, like, like night, little nightworms, little, like <laughs> night crawlers, night crawlers. <laughs> um, Tony. Yes. How come we never play Nightcrawlers anymore? <laughs> uh, this happened at the Agricultural Technical Institute in the town of Hato. Probably Hato, yeah. Hato. There's a silent H. Hato. I don't know. Do, do other languages do silent letters, or is that just an English thing? Other than Latin. Well, I'm pretty sure. Well, I guess Spanish is a, is a Latin-based so it could be, could be. It's probably hot though, though. I'm gonna say hot though. I mean, Spanish has silent H's all the time, does it? Yeah. Okay. Or like a kind of a, well, well yeah, yeah. They have silent H's. Okay. Or like very soft H's. Yeah. Um, where it's just like a little, like a little sprinkle it's of all, an H. Like, yeah, it's just a delicate little H. <laughs> Um, school administrators were stunned, 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 I tell you, <laughs> when a member of the staff stumbled upon the 11 teenagers vomiting and experiencing muscle spasms while scattered across the floor of a hallway. Could you imagine discovering that? Like you just walk out and there's just these kids like puking and writhing. I would be like, holy fuck. You know what this sounds like, like to me? I'd just be like. <laughs> Slowly close the door. I didn't see it. Out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> Somebody else's problem. <laughs> What'd you do? Hey, the the mayor of the town actually told reporters that they are not ruling out the Ouija board as part of the investigation. See, this is the thing. Like you mentioned before about like superstitions and stuff. Like I feel like in in most American cities. If this were to happen, 
and and say their reporter was like, what about the Ouija board? The mayor would be like, shut the fuck up. Don't be an idiot. Yeah, who let this fucking <laughs> asshole in? Like, I can't ima- imagine, like, Bruce Harrell, the mayor of Seattle, being like, you know, they were playing with a Ouija board, so we are investigating that. The Ouija board is in custody as we speak. <laughs> like, an, infi- an official from the hospital indicated they explored the possibility. They explored the possibility. <laughs> hospital, medical personnel, science-based stuff. They did not find any psychological alteration in the children when they are examined at the facility. You know what this sounds like? Carbon monoxide poisoning. Uh, so... I mean, just to kind of rain on the parade here, apparently all of the kids drank from the same glass, and so it's believed that they were victims of water contamination. Ah, which happens a lot in Central America. Yes. (laughs) And Flint. And Flint. Oh, Flint. Poor Flint. I feel so bad for them. (laughs) It's not one thing, it's the other, you know? Um, I mean, I feel bad for Michigan in general. Talk about that later too. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I'm yeah, glad. So- I'm glad that we got to the bottom of it. We know. <laughs> we now know that it is not the Ouija board. Do we? <laughs> Definitively. Maybe the Ouija board contaminated the water. It's <laughs> the spirits of the Ouija board. This medical facility says that there was no psychological alteration. What about spiritual? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe. How do they test for that? (laughs) They need an old priest and a young priest. (laughs) Fun stuff. Too much fun. Ouija boards! Yeah, so uh, Paramount has apparently decided that it's ready to commit to the horror genre. It has appointed Walter Hamada to oversee a new horror branch of the company. I don't think it's had a, like it's not a separate entity or anything. It's just the uh, the horror arm division. Yeah, he's basically he's their uh, their uh, Kevin Feige of horror. Sure, I like how he is becoming like a uh, a verb, not a verb, but. Um... Like like an example, yeah, <laughs> like a uh, like a like a label, right? Like, like a job title, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. It's like James Gunn just got hired at at uh, Warner Brothers to head up DC to to Kevin Feige to DC. B- <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So you, so you can use it as a verb. <laughs> He's gonna Feige up DC, right? Just Feige it up real good. <laughs> He walked in there. It's like I'm gonna fig this bitch so hard. <laughs> or feige this, yeah, it's feige. I know. Just saying, feige is funner because it's closer to fuck. Sure. <laughs> but there's also Paul Feig who sucks. That's that's true. To to Paul Feig something up is to unnecessarily 
change everything about it and ruin it completely. Yeah, make it awful. Uh, Hamada, who recently left WBDC. Man, I somehow, like, I signed up for something. Some kind of, like, mo- like movie service. or I can't remember what it was. But they gave me a bunch of free movies. Like, two out of, like, five they gave me I would ever actually watch. But one of them is fucking Ghostbusters Answer the Call. And I can't get rid of it. You'd like Google Play like did the same thing. They gave me a bunch of movies, and I can't remove them. I, I I'm never gonna watch Transformers: Dark of the Moon. <laughs> Get it out of my fucking library. And they fucking YouTube us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Hamada, who recently left WBDC, has a ton of horror cred from his time at New Line, producing countless horror movies, including the Friday the Thirteenth and a Nightmare on Elm Street remakes. Uh oh. Well, I won for two. Yeah. As well as the con, oh no, the Conjuring, and its various spinoffs. Oh boy, this is not a great pedigree. This is this is not not a great pedigree. But the 2017 adaptation of it, the so first it's, one, it's sure, a, it's a mixed pedigree. <laughs> uh, Hamada, it's a mutt. It's a mutt. Yeah, Hamada will oversee all things horror for Paramount with the Hollywood Reporter's announcement noting that Hamada's mandate will be to release several mid-budget horror films for theaters and streaming per year. Mid budget. Yeah, what's what's the definition of mid? I don't, I don't know. I just kind of assumed like studio films. They were big budget, like high budget films, just all studio films. Yeah, and then there was low budget, which are like independent films. Sure. I don't know what mid budget is. <laughs> like, what's considered? Like, is a hundred million dollars considered a lot? I think it's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't have to make a movie with that. You could just show us the hundred million (laughs) dollars. I'd be like, "Hey, that's a lot of money right there." Five dollars to see the hundred million, (laughs) or ten dollars to add to the hundred million. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I kind of feel like a hundred million is just kind of like standard for. I mean, that is a big budget movie, but that's kind of like. Almost like the the low end of a blockbuster movie. Like, what's an Avenger cost? What's an what's, what's Avenger? What's a Star Wars cost? <laughs> I mean, here's twenty dollars. Go see a Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> um, fuck, you know, Avengers. Those are gotta cost like, like somewhere between like 500 and 700 million no that much with all the cgi and shit fuck yeah fucking a let's keep talking i'm gonna look at what end game all right uh do to do to do in the wake of smiles box office success uh scaring up 209 million dollars worldwide look at budget for that too smile smile yeah um all i need is smiles Uh, Hamada said, over the course of my career, nothing has oh, been... Oh, okay. So Endgame was somewhere between 356 and $400 million. God damn. That's so much money. It's still, still a lot of money. A lot of, lot of fucking money. Smile, smile, smile. <laughs> <You need to laughs> smile. <laughs> it's a smiley smile. Smile's budget was... Drum roll, please. $17 million. All right. Is that mid or is that a lot? I know mean, it's not a lot. Is that is that low or is that mid? Well, I don't know. I like Blumhouse. They do five million. That's their thing, right? Is that where does that fall? That's low. But that's not like is that low? 
That's considered that's considered low budget. But I would think like anything under a million would be low budget. That's I think micro budget. See, I would think micro budget would be like something that was like something that we made five thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. I think under like under a million's got to be considered micro budget. I would think. Oh, most definitely. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, maybe uh, these aren't really like defined lines. Maybe it's a gray area. Probably. Yeah. Maybe they just call it a big budget when they want it to be considered a big budget. Yeah, big budget by whose standards? Like if we made a movie for five hundred thousand dollars, that's a huge fucking budget for me. I can make I can make such a good movie for five hundred thousand dollars. I can make a shitload of movie <laughs> for five hundred thousand dollars. Just pack so much movie in it. Be like this baby holds so much movie. <laughs> okay, so Hamada says, over the course of my, shut up. Over the course of my career, nothing has been more gratifying than discovering emerging first-time filmmakers and writers and unleashing their brilliance in a studio setting. With what movies? Uh yeah, I'm looking at his uh resume here, and there's a lot of big, big movies there. <laughs> It's like, oh, I love discovering first-time filmmakers and writers like, you know, James Wan, <laughs> Andy Muschietti. Like, those guys, nope. those guys had pedigrees. They had resumes. If you really want to have, like, find an emerging first-time filmmaker, fucking call me. Yeah. We got a... We don't, we don't have a movie. We don't have an idea. We, no, we come up with one. We, we come up with something. You give us $500,000, we'll come up with five different movies on the spot. That's right. Because <laughs> we're that good. <laughs> That's it. That's all I got. So, Yeah. Paramount is, uh, they they are going to fig up their horror. Feige. Feige. There you go. Paramount. Feige-tize. <laughs> Hamada. It's just fun to say. Well, guys, let me tell you, you know James Wan. You hate him. I hope. You know Jason Blum. You hate him too. But what if you could hate them together? I want to shout out my friend Dante, who once said, consolidate the hate. Sure, yeah. It was about Billy Donovan being hired as the Oklahoma City Thunder coach. But still, it works in this scenario. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that. Uh, well... There have been, quote, advanced talks about merging Wands, Atomic Monster, and Blumhouse. Uh, Variety is calling it a mega house of chills and thrills. That sounds like a tagline for a bad haunted house. Yes, it does. Or like a like a bad Jason or a <laughs> bad James Wan or Jason Blum movie. Yeah. About a bad haunted house. <laughs> uh, over at Universal Pictures, man, Universal just cannot get out of its own way. And this, like, 
I wonder if this was already in talks before the Hamada stuff. Like, because it, it, it kind of feels reactionary. It could be. Like, Universal was just like, oh, shit, Paramount's really going at it for horror. We better do that, too. Well, you know, you get things... We got that Blum guy. <laughs> well, they already own Blum. More or less, yeah. And for all intents and purposes, they own Juan, too. Well, they did. Apparently, their their contract expired. Okay, well, still. <laughs> um. So, I mean, this isn't a big change for them. I don't really understand where this is going because am I crazy or have they worked together a lot? I don't think so. No? I don't think I don't think so. Mm. Okay. Uh Blumhouse is known for its low budget. Well there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Answer that question. Uh low budget approach to terror is currently on our first look deal with for, uh, Universal which would extend to Atomic Monster as long as the deal closes. Juan's first look deal with Warner Brothers ended uh, earlier this year after nearly a decade. Oh, so this is Warner Brothers that, that he was with. Oh, yes. Okay, which makes sense because a lot of his movies were New Line. Yes. Yeah. Or something. I don't know. Whatever. According to StudioBinder.com, anything under $5 million can be characterized as low budget. That's fucking wild. (laughs) Um, After merging, the parties expect that Atomic Monster and Blumhouse will continue to operate as separate labels. Mid-budget is 5 to 75. That is a big range. (laughs) Who came up with this? StudioBible.com. Okay. Um, da, 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 with each maintaining its own creative autonomy, autonomy, uh, and brand identity. So what's changing? I mean, all this sounds like to me is that Atomic Monster is coming under the universal umbrella. Nothing else seems to be changing. <laughs> I don't, I mean, the only thing I can relate it to is like, the company I work for, uh, basically, basically bought out the company I used to work for, and they called them an affiliate, even though they were basically owned by this larger company. But they still maintained a separate company, their own autonomy. So I'm wondering if, like, basically Blumhouse is buying out autonomy. I should say Universal Pictures operating as Blumhouse is buying out Atomic Monster. I always hate when they call them merges when it's a, clearly just a buyout. But I mean, it, this is Hollywood does this like they throw up these fucking smoke screens of a bunch of useless words, and we don't really know exactly what's going on, right? Um, so, which is probably just ways to throw off the FTC. Probably. Um, but I tell you, I think I said this on, uh, it was either bloody disgusting or I horror. I can't remember. But they posted about this and I was like, somebody call the FTC. They're trying to corner the market on shitty horror. (laughs) 
Um, let's see. Atomic Monster is expecting to utilize the existing Blumhouse infrastructure to further scale their activities in film, TV, and new content areas. Okay, so this definitely sounds like a buyout. Yes, it does. <laughs> uh, the idea behind the alliance is to increase the output from each side. They also hope to expand into horror-related games, live entertainment, and audio. Oh, no. More horror podcasts to dilute the market for less people to listen to us. <sighs> Blumhouse and Atomic Monster are already considering a sequel to next year's Megan, which looks prime for box office su- success. You know what else it looks? Terrible. It looks really <laughs> bad it does like i saw the trailer and i was like this is this is it this is what people are talking about yeah it's fucking a little girl doll robot whatever and she's like popping and locking that's basically the entire trailer is it a sex doll it looks like a sex doll i don't know you know what i don't like though is that she's a robot and she moves like a person it's unsettling it's not good um, I'm so startled. <laughs> also, I think it's pronounced Mithrigan. Mithrigan. Because mm-hmm. the, there's a three in there. Right. That three has to have some relevance, right? Well, uh, yeah, probably. Because she's, like, she's got three holes. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it's just a little girl doll. No, it's grown. It's a grown-ass woman. <laughs> the actress? I swear the doll was like tall. Like nah. it was like adult size. Nah, dog. No? <laughs> Chupa, Chupanabra. <laughs> um, what is this? Like these, which looks primed for box office, office success. What? Yeah, based off what? <laughs> the money that they're putting out. For to advertise for it? Is that what they're basing it on? Uh, Blum is pushing for Blumhouse to make at least eight horror movies for release in theaters each year, up from the three or four it has historically delivered. Oh no, they're gonna f- they're gonna flood the fucking market. That's too much. Yes, too much, <laughs> much too much. <sighs> Uh, he wants to make another. So okay, so these are all going to be th- theatrical releases. Then he wants to make another slate of horror flicks for Peacock, uh, which is of course a uh, universal streaming service. Uh, I can't. Blumhouse also makes television series. <clears throat> I can't find a photo of this doll next to a person. Like I need scale. Taylor's trying to justify his his sexy thoughts about a doll. <laughs> the face looks like a sex doll. That's all I'm she saying. She told me she was 18. <laughs> Statch. <laughs> uh, fucking Blumhouse. Jesus Christ. You know, I would never complain about A year of just solid, good horror movies, like two a month or or whatever. That'd be great. I'd love that. 
But if it's fucking shitty Blumhouse and James Wan movies, that's flooding and diluting the market. Because you get something like Terrifier 2, which has not only met expectations, but soared far above them. <laughs> uh, You'd be glad this isn't a video podcast. Nobody's on Discord. Oh, Bob, you didn't see that. <laughs> that didn't happen. Uh, but Ter- Terrifier, like, it had a $250,000 budget, and it's made over $10 million in the box office. That's before... Like fucking, uh, like rental, rental, uh, um, rentals and and home media and stuff, which isn't coming out until next month. So, if we got more of that, you know, getting eight of those a year, I'd be fucking thrilled. I'd be over the moon. But if we're getting just, it's like, this is gonna be like putting a fucking Starbucks. Or McDonald's on every single corner in a, in, a, in a small town. So, like, current Starbucks? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but you get what I mean. Yes. Remember in the 90s when there used to be small little espresso carts just around the everywhere? Yeah, man. Yeah, that doesn't happen anymore. No, you find those, like, off the highway every <laughs> 60 miles or something. You're just like, oh, shit. Fucking coffee stand? Hell yeah, we're going there. No, no, no. I don't mean like a stand. What do you mean? Like a little, like an actual like coffee cart on casters. Like they just like they'd stash it somewhere overnight, and then they'd roll it out in the morning and serve coffee all day. Oh no, I don't think I know what you're talking about. No, no. Like a hot dog cart, but with coffee. I mean, yeah, basically. Oh, that's cool. Those were all over the place before Starbucks took over. There was like. One Starbucks in my town, and there were a million fucking little independent carts all over the place. And then now there's got to be like 20 goddamn Starbucks just in my town and no coffee stands. Hmm. And it's not necessarily a, um, a commentary on quality. Starbucks is fine, it's drinkable, it has caffeine, whatever. Is it overpriced? Yes. But it's coffee. It gets the job done. But what I'm commenting on is the lack of variety. And that's what happens here. You get just fucking Blumhouse movie after Blumhouse movie. It all has the same... Mass produced. Yeah. They're all the same fucking movie with a different skin on it. Yeah. And like I said, you're just polluting and diluting the market. That's where like good horror movies will get completely ignored because people are going to the theater to see fucking shitty movies like this. And it's easier to ignore that when you put out a movie like Halloween Ends against like again something like Terrifier 2. Terrifier 2, you know, Halloween Ends obviously made more money because it's a bigger budget film, had more marketing, more theaters. But I think probably when you're looking at ratios I would guess that Terrifier 2 probably looking at purely at ratios probably made more money you know as far as its budget and in profits and, and such. Yeah. And that's that's what the horror world needs. It doesn't need more fucking churned out bullshit. 
I yeah, fucking I mean, hate Plumhouse. God damn it. Like, I, we've said this ad nauseum on the podcast, so people who listen regularly have heard it a thousand times, but like, it's, like I said, it's mass produced, it's just like cheap, and it's, it's easily consumable by people who aren't like us, who aren't horror diehards. It's, it's date movie horror. Yeah. Which is fine for some people. If that's what you want out of horror, then go for it. But when people feel like they can't get a leg up because movies that are being churned out by places like Blumhouse and Universal, uh, and then we'll st- we're going to start hearing again. We're going to start hearing there's no market for R-rated horror. Because all these PG-13 horror movies are going to come out and they're going to make money. And so all of a sudden people are going to tell us there's no market for R-rated horror, which we know is bullshit. Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably a few years away still. Yeah. Because right now R-rated horror is finally making a comeback. Thank God. But, um, yeah. No, this, I really don't think this bodes well. I mean, especially when you're talking about this and then also Paramount committing to horror. That makes me worry. Like, I am concerned. Yeah. So, because for so long now, independent filmmakers, small studios have really been carrying torch for horror. And now once these big studios realize there's money in horror again, after 30 years, 40 years, now they want a piece of it. And so they're making these shitty fucking McDonald's movies. Yeah. Ugh. Fucking aggravating. Fuck them. Fuck them both. Yeah. They're stupid little asses. <laughs> so it does look like Mathrigan is a small doll. So I take back everything I said. Although the face still looks like a sex doll. Like I'm not saying it looks attractive. I'm not saying it looks sexy. I'm saying it looks like the face of a sex like doll. It looks like a sexy doll? No, not a sexy doll. <laughs> it's not what I'm saying. <laughs> but in the commercials, like you said, she was like twerking around. And it, it looked to me like a full-grown adult, but apparently it's not. Yeah, I don't know. From what I've seen from the trailer, it looks like it's just about a fucking doll that just pops and locks for two, hour, <laughs> two hours or however long. I like how the uh, the official Chucky Twitter account was going off on it. It's like everybody wants to be me. This yeah. uh, side note: this past season of Chucky was pretty good. Yeah, I need to catch up. Did you have you watched any of it? Yeah, I watched. I think most of the first season. Did you? Okay. Yeah, that's, the second season was pretty good. Gotta say, gotta say. Cool. Yeah, bra. Chupa, I don't chupa yeah, bra. <laughs> I don't know how they get away with some of the stuff they get, they get away with because it's, it's a sci-fi yeah. channel. Well, it's just sci-fi. Sci-fi show. But, I mean, they're dropping, dropping F-bombs. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, like grotesque violence. There was the one episode when, uh, like, Chucky set the room on fire and, like, he called the, the blonde girl uh, something that was censored out. I'm pretty sure it was cunt. Oh. <laughs> I was like, wait, what happened? Like, I've, Chucky's been saying fuck for like two hours. Why is it all of a sudden censored? <laughs> that was just a step too far. Yeah, apparently. apparently. They had a episode where it was 
they they had like a like a wraparound thing. It was like Chucky had like a talk show. I think it was it was similar to like a like um like a Talking Dead like you know an after show type thing. Oh okay. Um, not like the Magic Hour or Alf did the talk show. No. <laughs> Remember when Alf had a talk show? No. No. Oh. Um. Alf was, I think, probably just a hair before my time, Grandpa. <laughs> Two years old. <laughs> um, but anyway, he uh, said during that kind of wraparound thing uh, that he's allowed something like five F-bombs per episode. That's a lot. It is a lot. I remember a time when you couldn't have one F-bomb. Yeah. Remember when you could only have one and it had to be after 10 o'clock. Right, yeah, I think. Probably what South Park was like the first show to do I that. I think so, yeah. Anyway. Blum <laughs> I don't feel like they deserve that, but you know. So Are You Afraid of the Dark is moving into the written word. <laughs> uh, there will be a five-book middle-grade novel and graphic novel series uh, in partnership with Paramount. Middle-grade? What does that mean? Like like middle school? Oh, grade isn't... Okay. I thought it like medium quality. It's <laughs> <laughs> really, really selling it short, aren't you? <laughs> there will be five decent books. Yeah. I'm going to work on it too much. <laughs> uh, inspired, of course, by Nickelodeon's hit anthology TV horror. Published under the Amulet imprint with an announced first printing of 75,000 copies. The first middle grade novel, The Tale of the Grave Mother, will be written by critically acclaimed horror author Rin Chupico. Chupacabra. <laughs> and released in, Chupico. Har- <laughs> released in hardcover on June 27th, 2023. The original novel is set in Solitude, a fictional town known for its local spook, a 19th century... Can we not? That doesn't sound right. Um, known, for, known for its local ghoul, a 19th century woman responsible for the disappearance of several children. Everyone knows better than to trespass on her property, but when construction disturbs the grounds and rumors of a mysterious, jawless woman begin to circulate... Oh, fuck. 14-year-old Rhett must figure out how to put the ghost to rest before a new reign of terror is unleashed, starting with his sister as the latest victim. Dum dum dum. Gave away a lot. Mm, 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 mm. That synopsis didn't really need to be that long. <laughs> uh, horror novelist Danielle Valentine is signed on to write book two in the series, which features original horror stories narrated by an all new Midnight Society. Uh, that's going to come out in fall of 2023. It's called The Witch's Wings and Other Terrifying Tales. Which I feel like it should have been The Witch's Wings and Other Things. Because <laughs> then it would have rhymed. Uh, rhyming is essential to a book title. It's It sticks in your brain. Right. Uh, drawing inspiration from Mexican folklore and urban legends and written by best-selling author... Wait, I thought it was written by Daniel Valentine. Maybe this is uh, book This is three. a graphic novel. Oh, this is the first graphic novel. Okay. Uh, <laughs> written by best-selling author Talor K. Mejia and illustrated by Justin and Alexis Hernandez. It's Taylor. Is it? I don't know. <laughs> Never seen Taylor spelled that way. It's Taylor. 
Taylor. It's it's like the it looks like a very Canadian spelling Canadian, of Taylor. <laughs> Canadian Taylor. <laughs> but but apparently it's Mexican. <laughs> Taylor, eh? Uh, and Alexis Hernandez, Junie Wu, and Kaylee Rowena. The Witch's Wings and Other Terrifying Things features haunted buses, monstrous creatures, and spine-chilling mysteries. In order to join the Midnight Society, a new storyteller must share three interconnected stories. The Tale of the Witch's Wings, the Tale of the Haunting of Bus 13, and the Tale of the Stray Comet to prove she has the horror goods. I don't recall that. I remember them just having to tell one story and then they were in. Yeah. I feel like they had to like scare somebody. And they had to throw dirt in the fire. Yeah. That was part of it. And the dirt exploded for, for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Is it gunpowder? <laughs> it had to be something else, right? It wasn't just dirt. Because I've thrown dirt on fire before. They just die. They usually puts out the fire. <laughs> That's what Smokey tells you to do. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's some kind of some kind of fire sand. <laughs> That ancient mystical fire sand. Yeah. Ancient Chinese secret, huh? <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. You going to read these? I mean, no. What, because they're only middle grade? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I only read high grade books. <laughs> you know, I read at 11th grade level. Thank you very much. So these are right up your alley then. <laughs> Especially this, uh, the witch's wings and other things. It's got pictures. <laughs> That's what you say about comics, right? They have pictures. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's definitely it. Uh, I think it's funny that, uh, you know, Goosebumps started moving into film and TV. And now Are You Afraid of Dark is... Are You Afraid of the Dark is moving into books. It's like, uh, like Goosebumps... Left books behind, and are you afraid of the dark? It's like, you guys using that? Or there's like, you cross into my turf, I cross into your turf. <laughs> How about that, Mr. Stein? <laughs> Mr. Staker, is it Mr. Stanker? Staker, isn't it? Skinner, Skinner. <laughs> I've watched it for so long. You're thinking of P.I. Staker, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> P.I. Staker, piss taker. <laughs> Um, you know, like every time I'm looking for a movie to watch, because I've always got something kind of playing in the background when I'm working. Mm-hmm. Somebody's like scrolling through movies, and I always see Hot Fuzz. I don't remember what service it is, but I see Hot Fuzz. I'm like, no. <laughs> Your thumb just like floats that extra second. Yeah. Like, oh. So yeah, if you're mid grade, go check. <laughs> <laughs> if if you're fucking mid, go read these books. <laughs> You think uh, you think Bree and Tori will read them for their, for their podcast? Uh, I mean, probably. I would think probably. Yeah, it's right up their alley. It's, yeah, they they do stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> read books. <laughs> well, not normally, but <laughs> shout out to the "Are You Afraid of Are You Afraid of the Dark" podcast. Are they? They're, they're buddies. Of what us. are they doing now? They're doing goosebumps. Are they? Still on Goosebumps? I last I heard. I don't. That was a while ago, though. I don't know. I feel bad because we have. Friends I think they're actually kind of on 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 hiatus right now. Are they? Yeah. Well, that'll happen. That will happen. Uh, okay.
So, Yasha. Yeah, so uh, after who even knows how many fucking years of back and forth bullshit with between Victor Miller and Sean Cunningham with the rights of Friday the 13th. Like what, 10, like legitimately like 10, right? Years? Yeah. It seemed that way. I mean, the remake came out in 2009, so. Well, I mean, because they, they were working on several Something. Yeah. several uh, reboots that never panned out. Right. And then I can't remember when when this lawsuit from Victor Miller first popped up or before he's, or when he f- first started making a stink about it. And, you know, I know, I fully understand that under the law, he is entitled to whatever lawsuit he wanted to carry out. I just happen to be somebody who respects contracts. And when you sign one, even if it's shitty, that's on you. So forgive me if I'm a little bitter. Anyway, but he won. He has all the rights to everything that happened in the first movie. Uh, That includes the names of Crystal Lake, Jason Voorhees, Pamela Voorhees, uh, Camp Blood. Everything, everything that happened in the first Friday the 13th movie now belongs to him, Uh, which means that he can go about doing anything with that that he likes, Uh, and what he likes to do is sell it to Peacock, who has now announced a uh, television series on uh, on Peacock streaming service uh, titled Crystal Lake. Uh, which is being described as an expanded prequel series taking place before the events of Friday the 13th. Now, I heard this, and I'm just like, okay, well, this is the how they get around having anything to do with adult Jason. Because what I understood was that he only has rights to anything that was created in the script from the first movie and nothing after that. Which includes adult Jason, hockey mask, hockey mask, machete, and all the lore and all the stuff that's happened in any of those movies. That still belongs to Sean Cunningham, as I understood it. It seems like that may not be the case, or that they've worked out some kind of deal with Sean Cunningham, because I forget who said it, but they basically said that you know if we we want to use that stuff, we Brian can. Fuller. Was it Fuller? It's, 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 in, it's in the story. Is it? Okay, well, <laughs> I'll continue on the story then. Uh, Hannibal creator and Queer for Fear executive producer, Brian Fuller will write and serve as a showrunner. Uh, <clears throat> talking to King Cass, he says, we can use everything. We can go to hell. We can go to space. That's not to say we will do those things, although if we do go 10 seasons, I will be lobbying hard to go to space. So I don't understand what, what happened here. Unless Cunningham sold his rights too, or licensed them, or whatever. That, I mean, that's what it sounds like because he he said that A twenty four, who is apparently involved now, uh, worked with Mark Tobaroff, Victor Miller's lawyer, and uh, they like I'm uh, um, Cunningham must have sold his stuff or licensed his stuff to A twenty four. I'm guessing. So then A twenty four worked with Miller's lawyer to work out some kind of deal. After all that long, hard battle, I would, I'm would i surprised that, sh- that Cunningham would just let it go like that. 
especially because he and, and Miller, because this went on, this went on, this went on for so long because they could not agree. Yeah, like neither one of them would bend to the other. Right, and for this, like Miller to win, and then Cunningham to be like, "All right, well, here you go." I mean, unless Cunningham was just like, "Well, I lost. I should still get some fucking money." I guess. But it's like, again, I'm not a lawyer, but I would think that even if he doesn't have the rights to like Crystal Lake or Camp Crystal Lake, you know, the name Friday the 13th or even the name Jason Voorhees, that he could still have a like a masked killer named Jason. I mean, that's how fucking... Um, uh, New Line got around it when they bought the rights from Paramount. Yeah, that's why we had Jason goes to hell and Jason goes or Jason X. Yeah, because they couldn't co- they they couldn't call it Friday. the Yeah, 13th. Paramount still owned the name Friday the Thirteenth. Um. <clears throat> anyway, but uh, yeah, so yeah, so um, uh, the movie rights. So the movie rights are a completely different thing. So. There's that. They are tied up with New Line and are super messy and probably won't be untangled anytime soon. But as far as us chickens in the television industry, uh, we have access to anything and everything that the Friday Thirteenth or that Friday Thirteenth has done up to this point. See, that's where that's where it gets confusing for me as you know a, a, a non lawyer. <laughs> like I understand the concept of. TV rights and movie rights. It seems to me like they should be tied, but they're not. But in situations like this, it gets really confusing. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, so you can make a TV show about this, but you can't make a movie. What's the difference? Right. <laughs> you're still making money off of it. Yeah, you're still making media. Uh, Let's see. Uh, so Fuller went on to say the most disgusting fucking thing I've ever fucking heard in my life. He said, I would say it's less of a prequel series than a pre-remakeual series. I'm out. I fucking hate you, Brian Fuller. <laughs> you are on my shit list. What have you done? You dare fucking sully Friday the 13th with that ridiculous fucking word? <laughs> Like, you could just as easily say, you know, it starts out as a prequel and then it kind of moves on and we kind of remake some of the things you've already seen. You could say that and not sound like an idiot. (laughs) It's called pre-remakeable stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's a (laughs) pre-see-remakeable. There have been examples like this that I can't think of right now. Shows that start out, shows that are based on movies that start out one way, you know, similar to the beginning of a movie or, you know, a a flashback or a prequel of a movie that leads up and it just kind of evolves differently. From Dust Till Dawn. Uh, That's not much a prequel, but like the first season was essentially the first movie. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then it kind of went in its own direction. Yeah. That's that's a good example. I mean, there there are others, again, that I, I cannot think of off the top of my head. Even though it feels like they're on the tip of my tongue, like Bates Motel was more prequel. Yes, kind of started moving into the, that was the, a good the one movie. Yes, 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 yes. Um, 
so stuff like that has happened to mixed reactions. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, over the course of the series, you'll see many familiar manifestations of Jason. Uh, it says we're going to have roughly five times the per episode budget that we had on Hannibal. That's a lot of money. Yeah, just what you need to do for Friday the 13th, throw a bunch of money at it. Yeah, everyone knows that what made Jason so good was that the budget was so massive. Exactly. It wasn't fucking mid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, fucking Friday the 13th, the first movie was so highly revered because people threw like, was, was it 500 million or more at it? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, people were like, you know, this movie is just so glossy and HD. It's just pristine. Plus, all these big name actors are in it. Right. That's really what I appreciate about it. <laughs> That's something that we, like, in the time that it's been taking for them to fucking pull their dicks out of each other's asses um, to make a proper Friday the 13th remake or sequel or something there have been numerous fan films that excel above what anybody has done in official in an official capacity in years yeah uh, you know never hike in the stone uh never sorry never hike, never alone. hike alone that series leaps and bounds superior to even the remake, which I like. Yeah. Because it has a air about it that is familiar with the original movies. It's, you know, a, a micro budget, I believe. I mean, from, well, I guess they, they definitely didn't have $5 million. So it's definitely got to be a low budget. Low, low to micro. <laughs> Um, but you know, these are all kickstarted things or, you know, Indiegogo yeah. movies, short films that are like, I think the longest one was actually like just short of an hour. Could be wrong about that, but they're not overly polished. They're not, um, uh, you know, they don't look like big budget movies. They look like a modern iteration of what took place 40 years ago. Yeah. And that's what studios like fucking, you know, what makes me sad is Peacock in Universal has hold of this now. Yeah. It's A24. It's A24. So that has some, you know, air about it, you know, being uh, a, a, an independent studio with smaller budget films that is that, that, that provides some, uh, comfort. Yeah. <laughs> but the fact that, but how do you feel about the fact that it's a 24 who are known for their elevated horror? That makes me nervous. Sure. But there's been enough a 24 films that I liked. Yeah. So, you know, it, it it just it's it makes me sad that 
the rights to these movies have been so embattled for so long because people are trying to sell it for like so much money. And it's not even the films they care about. You know what? Or, you know, it's the fucking name. It's the merchandising. Yeah. It's, it's not, they don't give a fuck about the movies. No. That's why they got, that's why they got progressively worse. Over the course of time, especially after New Line bought it. Yeah. I mean, that's what tends to happen. Look at the Paranormal Activity movies. Yep. <sighs> you know right. who I'd like to see get hold of this? SpectreVision. Yeah, dude. Didn't Elijah Wood talk about wanting to, to make a I think that was Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, you're right. That could be fucking dope. Yeah. I hope that happens. Uh... Yeah. Yeah, I, I just I don't like Friday the thirteenth being in the such same. a mess. Well, I've gotten used to that at this point. <laughs> it's, it's like it's a child and you know, Peacock is that one asshole in class that you, you that you've heard about and you're just like, I don't want you hanging out with that kid. <laughs> <clears throat> And I've I've met his parents, fucking Universal and Comcast. They're assholes too. <laughs> anyway, well, well, we'll see how this goes. There's only one thing left to do now. Let's see. Crystal Lake. All right, so speaking of prequel series that no one really asked for, uh, HBO Max has a prequel to It coming out called Welcome to Dairy. Uh, This will serve as a prequel to the Andy Muschietti movies. They're all going to be in the same universe or whatever. Uh, HBO Max head of original Sarah Aubrey teased a little bit of what we can expect from the upcoming series. Uh, We have been working with Jason Fox. Brand- <laughs> is that his name? Is that how it's pronounced? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, right. <coughs> uh, Brad Caleb Kane, Andy Muschietti, and Barbara Muschietti very closely. Uh, they're so deep, so deep, so deep, <laughs> so deep into this mythology, and they have such a firm handle <laughs> on the storytelling around these characters and also the demented scares that they're putting into things. Sometimes I'm like, what's wrong with you? Just all the wild ways they think to terrify us. You'll be hearing more concretely about that development very soon. Well, I hope so, because that was nothing. (laughs) I mean, we know that there's going to be uh, demented scares. Sure, yeah. And we know that Jason fucks. (laughs) Jason fucks. Uh, We know that they're so deep, and they've got a good handle. (laughs) Um, she does say that Andy is very involved in every bit of this. So that is the real recipe for success and for delighting fans. Is it? Is it though? Yeah, I mean the first movie is good, but the second one not so much. Yeah, so less less so. Uh, Jason fucks Wonder Woman. <laughs> does he know? 
According to this, it says Jason Fox uh, Wonder Woman Ice Age Continental Drift. <laughs> uh, and Brad Caleb Kane of Moonhaven Black Sails and Fringe. I, I know what Fringe is. I don't think I know what the other two are. Black Sails is a pirate show on stars, and I'm not familiar with Moonhaven. I know Black Sails in the Sunset is an AFI album. Yep. <laughs> uh, we'll serve as co-showrunners for the prequel series. The series will begin in the 1960s in the time leading up to the events of It Part 1, uh, the 2017 film, of course, based on the Stephen King novel. The story is said to include the origin story of Pennywise the Clown, because that's what we all want, right? Yeah. Well, no. <laughs> but, like, Pennywise, the fucking oldest story in the book starts before is 1960. Well, this is the based on is off the movie not the book but even still it's like i there are so many side stories in it that you know they could probably make a handful of good episodes from those stories because they weren't in the movie like about the black spot yeah that's probably the most well known kind of side story because it has Dick, because uh, it has a uh, Halloran, yeah, in it. Um, but uh, that was not even mentioned in in the movies. So you know, that seems like it would be like ripe for picking for the show. But that took place in like the forties. No, shit, I can't remember. But it was definitely not the sixties. Because the book took place in 1957. <laughs> so, I... I mean, you they just keep fucking up. You gotta move everything up. Was it 27 years? Every 27 years he appears? According to the movie, yeah. So, it's, you just gotta... not that specific in the book. You just yeah. gotta move everything up every 20... You gotta move everything up 27 years. So, if it took place in 1940, then it's, it's 1967 now. But it doesn't make as much sense... Because the black spot was a black club during the time of segregation. Yeah, that, it, that is a problem. But the, there doesn't seem like they're going to talk about the black spot. Uh, there's, there's nothing alluding to the black spot. No, no, no I'm, I'm you just, brought up the black spot. I get it. <laughs> also, do we need Pennywise's backstory? Also, was, I thought Pennywise was like eternal. Like he just kind of always was. Yeah, but they really hinted at that not being the case in the movie, which is very upsetting. That's true. They showed him as a person, which was weird. Yeah. Yeah. Pennywise did not just suddenly come to Earth in the 60s. It is believed that he was probably here since the beginning of time. Yeah. Or like, like going, like it's suggested that he was on Earth going back as far as like the dinosaurs. So to suggest that he just suddenly popped up one day in the 60s is asinine. Yeah, I don't know about this. And Pennywise even wasn't even a he. Pennywise isn't a clown. Is it, yeah. And that's something that I feel like was very deeply ignored in the movies. I mean, movies. Pennywise is a clown, but it is not a clown. Yes. It is an it. Right. And you know, the... It, it prefers it pronouns. <laughs> right. And, you know, for all its faults, the uh, miniseries from the 90s, they did seem to make a point that it was not a 
man. It was not a person. It was an it. Yeah. And I feel like that was very underscored. Or not under that's not the right word. Uh it wasn't as understated. Okay, sure, yeah. It was understated in, in the remake. In the remake movies. Yeah, the remakes were like they might as well just called it Pennywise, because that's what it was fucking about. Yeah. Like, so I don't know. I mean, it it's often been said that it's impossible to make a good Stephen King movie. And I I think Muschietti got pretty damn close. Um, I mean, well, he the first movie was good. Second movie, yeah. not so much. Still watchable, but not as good. Yeah, decent, but not not. So he's definitely gotten the closest than anyone else I can think of. Um, but I mean, still so much. The, the Shining is a fantastic movie, even if it's not a great ap- adaptation. <laughs> sure, I know Stephen King hates it, but like book aside, it's a great fucking movie. Sure. Um, I I agree with you. It just I, I, of course I'm referring to the one with Brian from Wings. Sure. <laughs> I love that I know his name, and I st- like Stephen Weber. His name is Stephen Weber. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I still call him Brian from Wings every time. <laughs> Not even Brian Hackett. <laughs> Brian from Wings. Well, you say. Brian Hackett, that could be anyone. It's Brian from Wings. Yeah, Brian Hackett from Wings right. of Sandpiper Air. Right. How do I still know so much about Wings? I don't know. How long has it even been since you've watched it? Oh, so long. <laughs> like, like, there's Lowell and Antonio Scarpacci, the taxi driver. Played by Tony Shalhoub. Who's yeah. not Italian. Yeah. Amy Yazbek was in it. Yep. I don't remember her character's name, though. I guess I don't know everything about it. There's Roy. She was, she was Heather's sister. Heather was dating Joe Hackett. There's Roy, the big fat guy. Roy, the big fat guy that ran the rival airlines. Was that what he was? Yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe, uh, and he was also... Was a rental car? Huh? Maybe it was a rental car thing? I don't recall. They were in the same building. I do remember that his birthday was on leap year, so... Yeah. They celebrated his birthday, and he was 40, but he was turning four. <laughs> that math doesn't work. Or no, work. 10. 10, okay. sorry. 10. Um, <laughs> Who was the old lady? Faye, I think. Faye, yeah. Let's talk more about wings. Let's start a wings podcast. <laughs> there we go. That's that's our fucking niche right there. Our new spinoff. <laughs> We've tried so many different ideas to get a secondary second podcast, like a rewatch podcast, and like it's like, oh, well, that already exists. Sometimes in multiple times over, but there's probably not a wings one. <laughs> Sandpiper cast coming. This fall to the USA. <laughs> anyway. Wait, Wings cast. Nope. That's about the Detroit Red Wings. Still still in it. <laughs> wings on Wings. What's that? The only podcast on earth watching Wings while eating Wings. Oh my God, that's fucking genius. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it. We'll never beat that. No, that's that's the best podcast that's, on the earth. That's genius. Stop listening to this and go listen to Wings on Wings right now. Fuck. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Uh, but no, it was to, to to make a movie out of it was a huge undertaking. And Muschietti pulled it off pretty well. But there's so much left on the left on the table. I just hope that if they're going to make a series out of this, 
And they use some of that. Yeah. Because there's nothing really in it that's like throwaway. Somehow they managed to make two movies without including this stuff. But, you know, as far as the book goes, it's pretty important. Except for the gangbang. That that can go. I mean, that can stay. Yeah, they've made forgotten. they've made three movies now and no one's included the gangbang. Yeah. So I don't think it's don't think anyone really feels it's necessary. Yeah. Except for all the weird people. They're just like, Where's the gangbang of the fifteen year old girl? It's like, whoa, calm down, chat. <laughs> fifteen. I don't think they're fifteen. I think they're probably like twelve. Even worse. I'm it, su- it is worse. Hang on, I'm subscribing. Well, I'm subscribing to Wings on Wings right now. Hang on. <laughs> is it worse or is it about the same? It's not better. That's what I'm saying. It's about the same. 90 episodes. That's a lot of wings. Are there 90 episodes of wings? I don't think so. Well, they just start from the beginning? Eat more wings? Of course, if it was us, it would probably take us multiple episodes to watch one episode. That's probably true. Maybe there are. They're on season five. Well, son of a bitch. Holy hell, we got to move along. We're in an hour and a half here. I mean, that's it. That's that's into horror business. That's horror so. business. Let's move on to film reviews. All right, guys, we got two movie reviews for you. Because that's what we do. We do do that. Do do. <laughs> poop. He said, he said poop again. <laughs> he called the shit poop. <laughs> he said damn poop again. Uh, all right. So we've got uh, two films from this year. One theatrical, one not. Yeah. 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 So uh, what do you want to start to with Taylor? Uh, I, let's start with my best friend's exorcism. I waited until you drink because I was worried you were going to go, huh? Huh? <laughs> I can't believe you're moving this summer. We're always going to be friends. Pick you up in town. It's going to be hot this weekend. Should we do something? over there this weird little building where that girl was sacrificed in a satanic ritual let's go in come on abs one more adventure Physically, she got all grotesque and gnarly. But then she got better, right? She looks copacetic, but up here, you can cuckoo for Cocoa Pops. I guess that's one way to put it. Dollars of donuts, it's demonic possession. She needs an exorcism. Think we're alone. You want my best friend back, you piece of shit! 
demon! All right, so my best friend's exorcism, or the movie that Tony wished he hadn't picked. Just going to jump right into things, huh? <laughs> Take the gloves off. I don't have time to mess around. So, I mean, if we're, if we're doing that, I'll just tell you right now, my first thought on this was, this is a Blumhouse movie that Blumhouse didn't want. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it felt like the whole movie. I was like, "This is a Blumhouse movie that they rejected." <laughs> really? I, I didn't. I didn't get that. Really? No. Well, anyway. Anyway, let's do it. It is an Amazon movie. Amazon. I don't know. It seems like they usually have some good stuff, whether it be movie or TV shows. Um. Not so much. Anyway. So this movie takes place in 1988, apparently, but I don't think it ever actually says that. No, it's, I mean, it's clearly the 80s, but I don't think it ever says a specific year. Yeah, because it's got 80s stuff. It's Yeah, I mean, it beats you over the head with 80s stuff. Oh, yeah. But it's like, it's one thing I did like is that not everything's not like pastel and neon, because that's not what the 80s looked like. Yeah. The 80s was brown and yellow. <laughs> um. And uh, so this is based on a book by Grady Hendrix. Uh, came out in 2016, I believe. Yeah, 2016. Uh, from what I read, it seems like this follow. I didn't read the book, but from reviews, it looks like it follows the book pretty closely. Um, except that. No, sorry. Um, Anyway, okay, so this, the book centers around uh, two best friends, uh, Abby and Gretchen. Um, Abby is kind of like the quiet one, I guess. I don't know. They go to a Catholic school, so it's like Gretchen who looks but like Abby's Jewish. That 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 happens. Like, Does it? Yeah, you get scholarships to to uh, schools, okay. Even if they're religious, I mean, the only thing is like you have to take part in like the prayers and things like you have to take part in all the religious. Pomp and, yeah, even if you're not that religion, but you can get accepted or scholarships to those schools. I, I used to date a girl who went to a Catholic school, and she was not religious at all. Hmm. Um. And uh, it was but, just, like, were her parents? No, it it was just a matter of like it being in a bad school district or a bad neighborhood, and you know most Catholic schools have gates and you know just better curriculum. Um, aside from the you know religious overtones. <laughs> All right. Um. Yeah, there's just like this throwaway line where she says she's Jewish, and I was like, "Wait, what?" Yeah, that's. It, I mean, it's weird for a Jewish girl to go to Catholic school, sure, but it's probably it's not probably unheard of. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, but they go to this Catholic school. They're, I mean, it's high school. Um, what they're they're sophomores. Yeah, sophomores. And um, Gretchen is 
a very pretty girl, but their her parents are very religious, so they don't let her like wear makeup or you know dress uh, sexy. I don't know. <laughs> Provocatively, For, sure. Uh, and you know, on the flip side, her friend Gretchen. Like and Abby seems to be, or sorry, Gretchen used to be seems to be very well off. Her family seems to do well for themselves. On the flip side, Abby, uh, her family seems to be kind of, you know, dismissive of her. Let her kind of do whatever she wants. Not that she's, you know, a fuck off. She just doesn't seem to have a lot of parental regulation. Um, you know, she is allowed to wear makeup, but she also doesn't get fed well at home. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, doesn't have a lot of parental oversight, you know, which is pretty important for a, 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 you know, adolescent. Right. Um, but anyway, they are best friends. They have been since childhood. Uh, and this kind of overhanging thing is that Gretchen is moving away at you know after the end of the school year um <clears throat> but they're trying to make the best of their time they have left and they all decide to go out to um her friend margaret margaret's uh parents cabin by the lake um for the weekend or whatever uh they uh are all just kind of hanging with their friend glee yeah yeah, a little little girl named not little. She's just she's a tiny person named. Yeah, Glee. she's the same age as them, but she's short. Yeah, she, she's she's Asian, so I don't know if that maybe is like an Asian name. I don't know. I don't think I've ever heard that name as a as a name before. Glee, it's the feeling you get. <laughs> um. Anyway, so uh, they're hanging out. You know, just uh, drinking drinking soda and eating and chips, you know, how you do when you're hanging out with your buds. Yeah. I, I assume. <laughs> when you're 14. <laughs> yeah. um, and suddenly, uh, Margaret's boyfriend, Wallace, pops out of a closet. Wally. <laughs> wearing a mask. Is this supposed to be Tipper Gore? I think so, yeah. Okay. Wearing a Tipper Gore mask. But like you know, those like comedic, like big face masks you get at like Halloween stores, um, and uh, he gives them some LSD naturally, and just jump in the deep end. <laughs> um, it's like, hey, I know you guys have never smoked weed or even like drank beer. You want to do acid? Yeah, <laughs> let's do acid and get crazy. Um. Anyway, so they uh, they they do the they do the acid. They put it on their tongue. Yep. Is that what all that little piece pieces of paper were? <laughs> um, and uh, then they go swimming, and uh, well, don't forget that you did the Ouija board. You're right. Okay. Yeah. So actually, I guess is it before? I think it's before Wally before comes out Wallace of the closet. Pops out. Um, Not comes out of the closet, like, like literally comes out of the closet. Yeah, they're they're playing with a Ouija board, and you know they're trying to call forth the spirits and blah blah blah. And they do the Ouija board and say, "Who's with us? Tell us your name." And 
person or the spirit says no. <laughs> All right, fuck you, then, spirit. <laughs> and, and I forget what they they ask it something else, like what do you what do you want, or something like that. And it starts spelling something out. So it spells M I N, and then the th- that's when Wallace jumps out. Yes, and and Glee is like Minnie Mouse, <laughs> right? And so, in the confusion, the planchette moves on its own, and the lights flicker, and it moves over to an E. So it's mine, mine, mm-hmm. <laughs> mine, mine, mine. I thought maybe it wanted some mints, mints. Yeah. Maybe some minced meat. <laughs> Maybe it wanted some mineral water. Yeah, or, you know, any of the other words that start with M-I-N. Sure, yeah, yeah. Maybe it was a pervert ghost and it wanted some minors. Because <laughs> all these, it's like, oh, a bunch of 14-year-old girls. Yeah, that's what I want. It's hot. Minors. It's hot. <laughs> um, okay, anyway. Ghost of Crystalia. <laughs> So, okay, yeah, they, they do the LSD. <laughs> they do the LSD. It's like, it's the fucking lamest old man thing I can say. <coughs> they do the drugs. I smoked it. I smoked it like a cigarette. <laughs> um, And then they, uh, uh, does he go by Wally? They call, well, sh- his girl. They call him Stoney. They do? Uh, yeah, it's his last name. Oh. Is he fucking Polly Shore from Encino Man? <laughs> Buddy. Um, Margaret calls him Wally, but I think the rest of them call him Wallace. Okay. Well, he says, like, let's do the acid. <laughs> and then and let's go, go skinny, skinny dipping. dipping. So they all go in there and, you know, everybody but Abby. Abby doesn't want to go swimming because she has really bad acne and, you know, does some pretty meticulous makeup to try and cover it up. And she doesn't want to get it wet. They all know that this is why she won't go swimming. And who was it? It's Margaret says mm-hmm. something. It's like nobody cares that you have acne or something to or that effect. Or something, yeah. She takes off. It's like her- a backhanded compliment. It's like, we don't care. We're your friends. Like, just get in the water. But at the same time, she, like, announces to everyone. That right. It's like, you, you have bad acne. Right. Um. She she storms off into the woods and Gretchen goes to catch up with her and they kind of have this touching moment about like, oh, you know, acne fades and blah, blah, blah. You're going to be, your acne's going to go away and you'll be so beautiful. There's this kind of, like, I kept waiting for them to kiss. Yep. They, I mean, they never do. There, there's totally this, like, vibe of them, like, being unsure of what their relationship is and it, it feels like a romantic relationship at times but is that what they're going for i don't know because it never comes to fruition yeah but like even like my girlfriend watched part of it and she goes so are they a couple or are they friends and i was like well they're friends but i think maybe they might become a couple then they know they never do yeah and i was just like i mean i was kind of like glad that they didn't you know become a couple or anything because i feel like they a lot of tv shows and movies do that yeah where like two girls just can't seem to be friends without you know falling in love with each other big lesbian crush on you (laughs) (laughs) um that's right that's a mean girls quote (laughs) anyway 
So yeah, you know, they're walking through the woods and Gretchen's trying to comfort her and you know be you know very complimentary and she's like, "Let's let's go take a walk through the woods. There's something I want to see." And she's saying this she's like saying hey, like she, they find this building hidden back in the woods. She's like, "I knew it. I knew it was back here." And like I had to watch that. Like I rewound it about 5 minutes to see if I missed something. Because she's acting like the the way that she's saying Oh, I, I knew it was back here. You know, like I'm, they're never, or, you know, people are never going to believe it or you know, something like that. It's like, I got the impression that this was something that they had mentioned earlier. They, they did. Margaret they did? mentioned it. What? She said that it was like the building where somebody was murdered or something like that. And they, like people think it's haunted. I totally missed that. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes more sense then. I thought that was just really bad, bad scripting. <laughs> Which this movie, regardless of that, is a poor script. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, so they go and they're just wandering through this building and um, they find this one room that looks like it's just literally filled with black. Not like it's a dark room, but the room is filled with black. And they put their hands in and like, just past the threshold of the doorway, their hands just disappear. And they're right. Like, oh, cool. It's like, how are you doing that? Like, I think they they thought that they were like tripping or, you know, frying balls, but they weren't because it seemed like the acid they gave that they got was bad. Like, it just it didn't do anything. Yeah. And that was another problem I had with the script is it was like, it was like Schrodinger's acid. It was like they took the acid and then nothing ever happened with it. Right. And it wasn't even like, like there is a point where uh, Abby tells Gretchen's parents they did it, and they kind of freak out. But it, there, there's no like, you know, like oh maybe that's what's wrong with her, is that she did acid, or there's no like, you know, you didn't actually see those things, you were tripping. Like, yeah, it's like, and they they could have done that. They just didn't really. Yeah, there was plenty of opportunities to. Yeah, they didn't lay into it at all. No, so it was like, why did they even take the acid at all? What yeah. was the point of that? I don't. Maybe it gets deeper into it into the book, but in in the movie, it's there's there's. No consequences to them doing the answer. Yeah. Other than like they wake up the next morning and they think that everything that they saw w- was a trip. Yeah. Um, but it's like they were n- at no point were they actually tripping. They feel like they would have known when they woke up. It's just like, oh man, I saw some shit, but none of that was real because I was on acid. Yeah, but they they all they go so far as to acknowledge that they don't feel like they're tripping. Right. Uh, anyway, so they go further into the building, and they find this big open room that's just covered in shit. It just looks like, you know, probably teenagers or Satanists or something have been hanging out in there. And there's like these black vines all over the wall. It looks almost like upside downy. Yeah. And then in the corner of this room, there is just this big gathering of old like vines or roots or something, and in the middle... There's like a doll or mm-hmm. something. I think that's what it was, yeah. Um, that looks almost like a scarecrow. <coughs> and uh, I couldn't make out exactly what happened. Like the head it turned around. It went so fast. Yeah, it, it did. Uh, I think like the head turned around and it had an eyeball on its face or something. Yeah, there was, there was definitely a, an eyeball. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so they, they both freak out and start running away and Gretchen trips 
Abby keeps running and thinking that Gretchen's right. the acid trip. Right. Falls down, goes literally, boom. Literally falls down. Um, and Abby keeps running, thinking Gretchen's right behind her. And, you know, there's something whispering to her in Gretchen's voice saying, I'm right behind you. Keep going, keep going. And I think there's something speaking to Gretchen saying she left you. You know, she's not coming back for you or, you know, something to that effect. And uh, she she's trying to crawl away and you can see like behind her this blackness just kind of like starting to envelop the hallway behind her and then eventually it grabs her and pulls her back kind of off screen you know presuming that whatever it is is taking her um she so abby's outside she realizes that gretchen isn't behind her at this time margaret and glee find her in the woods and they go back to look for uh gretchen who we as the audience know is now possessed just kind of her blank stare her you know pale pal pallor pallor is that a word what is pallor doesn't sound like a word that i know mm. well her pale complexion we'll go with that um Oh, deficiency of color, especially of the face. There you go. Good for you. <laughs> That's a $10 word right T- there. T-I-L. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, yeah, so Gretchen, like, Abby's like, oh, God, I thought you were right behind me. I'm sorry. And she's like, you know, Gretchen's just kind of like, fuck you. You, know, you left me. Yeah. yeah. So over the next, next course of days, however long, I don't think it's really specific, um, it seems like Gretchen is kind of deteriorating. She's starting to become more and more like kind of distant and, and um, <clears throat> not really acknowledging what's going on around her and uh, becoming more and more pale and sickly looking. She's starting like her face is starting to kind of not break out, but just get like these almost looks like it's rotting almost. Yeah. Um, so clearly she moved on from the acid to the meth. Right. You know, as it is a gateway drug. That's, that's what they say. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, Abby is full aware of what's going on. I mean, not that she's possessed necessarily, but she's, she's conscious of what's happening to Gretchen, that she's clearly sick and something's wrong with her. And, you know, she, as her best friend, she, you know, is very concerned for her and keeps trying to speak with her. And, Gretchen basically just keeps telling her to fuck off. Um, this goes on and kind of just continues to ter- deteriorate. We find out that what this demon that has possessed Gretchen is trying to do is basically alienate her from Gretchen from all of her friends so that she feels completely alone and kind of fully gives herself to this demon who then can like, completely take over her her body and you know fully possess her um and so <clears throat> i know there's a certain point where she's just like looks as sick as possible and i forget what happens but there's like this final straw and the next day she comes to school and she just looks 
amazing. Like she's just, she's all, you know, made up. She's she's wearing makeup, which, again, like I said, her her very religious mother will not let her wear makeup. But she comes into school all, you know, face full of makeup, her hair nice and did, you know, making eyes at all the boys and stuff. And uh, I think doesn't that happen after the carnival? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So she there's makes Abby get in the dunk tank, and tells the the teacher or whatever he is, the priest that Abby flicks her bean to him. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah, apparently in the book, uh, this scene was actually a, um, like, a, um, an auction block, like, like a slave auction. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, you, you can't do that now. No. Um, you know what? I need. I, I feel like I remembered reading that the book took place in the '60s and wasn't in the '80s. No, no, it's '88. I don't know, but I mean, this was South Carolina, so <laughs> you know, racism is very strong down there. Yeah. Um, but obviously they took it out because it's very problematic. Yeah. And replace it with a dunk take. But anyway, so Gretchen basically volunteers Abby to sit in this dunk take saying, hey, you know, I'm not going to actually dunk you. I couldn't if I wanted to because I'm so, you know, so bad at throwing. Um, and uh, she gets up on the, the seat and, you know, she starts gathering attention from all the other people saying, hey, everyone, you know, if I... Miss, I'll donate $20 to whatever charity that this is benefiting. But if I get it, you all have to donate $20. And so she throws it and then hits it. And Gretchen goes down, or sorry, Abby goes down in the tank. Her makeup gets all messed up right in front of this guy who she's got the hots for. Um, <clears throat> and she basically, that's when she says, I want nothing to do with you. You have, I'm, I'm sick of this. And so that's when her friendship with Gretchen is like severed and this demon can really start to manifest itself. And that's when it really just takes over. And suddenly she looks like a million bucks again. Um, but also all this weird shit starts happening. Like they're dissecting fetal pigs in science class and Gretchen, sorry, Abby suddenly thinks that hers has come alive um, and just loses her shit in the middle of class. And, uh, you know, Gretchen, or I should say the, the demon, has kind of tried to take each of her friends and push them away mm-hmm. um, through varying means. Uh, finally, kind or of. Or kill them. Or kill them. Well, almost anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, Abby finally kind of comes to realize that Gretchen is possessed. She enlists the help of, what is what is his name? The, um, the Lemon Party Boys. Yeah. Was something. Something Lemon. Mike? No. Uh, Jonah? No. Christian. Was it? Yeah, right. Christian. Christian Lemon. 
who was played by Christopher Lowell. Bash Howard. Bash Howard from Glow, who was probably the best part of this whole movie. Which is not saying much. Not really. I mean, he's, 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 he's funny, fine. But he's also kind of annoying. Is he? To me, he was. The character or? The character. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. Anyway. And yeah, so she. He's unless, part of the, one of those like. We love God so we can lift heavy things groups. Right. That were around in the late 80s and 90s. Like, that's literally their whole gimmick is they're like, through the power of Christ, I can lift this bench. Yeah. Oh, uh, Nicholas. <laughs> and watch me break these bricks on my stomach through Jesus. <laughs> anyway, so she uh, enlists his help to help, you know, exercise. Exercise the demons. <laughs> Um, and that, that, that's without, you know, getting into how this starts to wrap up and end, that's kind of the premise. Yep. Um, so, so there you go. Uh, yeah, like I said, this was not a, not a good movie. It's not, it's, it's really not. It's really, it's weird because it, it looks so polished that you kind of go into it with this just kind of inherent expectation that it's going to be decent, but it was v- like the script was not good. The acting was not good. No. Um, and I, it had to have been a mix between, um, you know, be- just bad acting in general, but then also the, uh, the director not knowing what the fuck he was doing. But, and I actually meant to look this up, but I saw that the director actually... Somebody was saying that the director actually has a pretty good resume behind him. David Thomas. Well, and like, Elsie Fisher, who plays Abby, is... Um, I, I mean, she was in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, for what it's worth. Um, she's in Barry. Barry, that's yeah. That's how like, I know her. She's, she's done voice work. She's, she's the voice of Agnes in Despicable Me. Like, Is she? Yeah. So I don't think she's a bad actress. No, she was actually probably, I mean, aside from, um, what's his face? Um, Bash. Bash. She was probably the be- best actress. Yeah. Every, it was everybody else that was just really not good. Um, yeah, Damon Thomas. Okay, so he directed several episodes of Killing Eve. Oh, he, oh, he directed one episode of that shitty Dracula miniseries. Several episodes of Penny Dreadful. Wait, he's a music producer? Or is this a different person? He's a a director. Okay, different person. Yeah, he's Damon Thomas, too. Anyway, so, I mean, he looks like, I mean, he's he's a TV director, but, you know. He's worked a lot. He should know what he's doing. She should expect more out of his actors. Like, it was not just, like, bad acting. It was bad, like, delivery. Yeah. Like, the one that really stands out to me is there. there's a scene where they're watching Night of the Living Dead and eating yogurt. Mm. And uh, Gretchen says something about how, or maybe it's Abby, says something about how they've watched this movie 20 times in the last month or something. And, like, the guy at the video store is going to think you have the hots for him or something. And, uh... I can't remember the line, but it's it's something about sucking blood or something, which is like not a thing from. But it's like the way it's delivered is just 
as if they didn't clunky because it's God, I wish I could remember it now, but it's like a line from the movie and then a part added on to the end. And the way it's delivered is like they've never seen the movie before. It's like, if you're going to have them quote this movie, show them the scene. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's that simple. Yeah. Also, why are they watching a movie from 1968 so many times? I, 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 did you know there's sequels? Watch those. Like, <laughs> um, I mean, I know why. Fair use, but. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, and, and like there, like I said, it's like it's not just that there was bad acting; it's like the line delivery was bad. Like they're fumbling lines, and like, this is the kind of stuff where the director should have said, "Cut, let's do it again." But it got left in. It's like, what? <laughs> this is like something I'd expect to see in like something that we made because <laughs> we just didn't have time to keep reshooting it, right? Um, and there's also scenes like specifically the one in the mall when she's talking to Bash for the first time, and this like the dialogue goes so fast that I'm just like, did they like are they were they running short on their day or were <laughs> they just like this movie has to be a tight ninety like right? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't I don't know what happened with this. I don't know if they just didn't care. <laughs> Or what, but something was very amiss. Um, Jenna, Jenna Lam- Lamia, Lam- Lamia, who's that? The writer, the writer. She looks like she's mostly an actress, an audiobook narrator. Uh, let's see. Okay, so she wrote a lot of 90210, the new ones. Awkward, which is an MTV show. And some episodes of Good Girls. Yes, I, I don't know what went wrong. <laughs> <laughs> On paper, this seems like it should have worked. But it just wasn't. Like, it, it didn't It didn't. Also, like, I was watching well. this movie and I was like, who is this for? Because like parts of it felt like it was made for fourteen year old girls, sure. And then, but then there's parts where they're like, "Oh, the the fucking horror guys will love this." Like, this was not made for us. No, absolutely not. Like even as you know, we can appreciate horror comedy. I mean, we we like horror comedy. This was not for us. This was not a movie made for people like us. No, we are not the target audience, to be sure. But I don't. But I don't know who know the target who audience was. is. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, it was clearly, f- I guess, for people who n- are not really super into horror, just want something to kind of, it's a little spooky and something that they can laugh at. Right. But who, exactly who that is, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. But some of the, like the non-horror <laughs> stories, like I said, felt like it was made for 14-year-old girls. Like mm-hmm. it was supposed to be for like the girls in the movie. Right. Um, but yeah, bad CGI at points too. Yeah. Um, the ending was stupid, but I mean that actually, I guess I think I did see that the ending is one thing that was changed from the book. So I, I don't know what, to what degree I don't, I have no idea how exactly how the book goes, but the ending was kind of weak. The ending was a little cheesy. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, assuming, let's just assume that 
demonic possession is real uh and exorcism is is like a real thing mm-hmm. uh, it never would have worked <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous to think that I, ha- I have something very specific i want to say but it gives away a major part of the end so i will say it off mic okay anyway um yeah i this was not this is not a good one. It was rated R, which is weird. Was it? Yeah. Why? I mean, they say fuck a lot. I have to assume that's why. That, yeah, that must be. Um, and like, you know, I, I worry that th- through all the years of PG-13 horror, that now, like we were saying earlier, R-rated horror is getting this resurgence that now they're movies that would have been PG thirteen now they're trying to up it to rated R. Yeah, so they're like, can you just add a couple more fucks to the script just yeah. so we can get that hard R? Um, I guess that's more of a soft R. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, like ah ah, <laughs> <laughs> it's rated R. <laughs> um. Yes, this was not a mess because it was you know it was constructed well enough. Just the execution was very bad in in several ways. Yeah. So, anything else to add? Not really. Uh, it it like it never like maybe fifteen twenty minutes in, I was already just like starting to check out. Yeah. Me too. It wasn't like it like started off hot and then kind of you know filtered out and it was disappointing an ending or something that ruined it. But like the whole, the whole movie front to back, I was just kind of like, okay, let's go. Uh huh. Yeah. Basically, once you know, I realized that the acting was bad. That's when I'm like, oh, oh god. Yeah. And that comes becomes very clear pretty early on. Um. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna give a three. I think uh, I think three is is the right move. Thank you. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, but if you do want to watch it, it's streaming on Amazon Prime. So, yeah, that was the the biggest benefit of it was I didn't have to pay for it. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of things I didn't have to pay for, currently on HBO Max is our next movie, Barbarian. Listen, AJ, I gotta tell you, there's no new money coming in. I can sell the Michigan properties. Some of those make money, right? You're gonna have to make some tough choices. Yeah, Barney, it's AJ. I'm in Detroit, and I'm here to do some liquidating. Is someone staying here at the moment? I don't think so. Well, someone's here. There's a suitcase and clothes. Do I have squatters? Have a nice day. Hello? Somebody here?
All right, so Barbarian, uh, or maybe it's Barbara Ann. I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, it's hard when you've been <laughs> for a long time. Funny story. My my aunt's name is <laughs> is, is Barb. That's and, fucking hilarious, <laughs> right? End of story. <laughs> but my my dad and my uncle used to sing that at her, but it, it was Barbara Gale because that's her name. Mm. And so they would they would change the words. Sure, yeah. You, you know my dad. Um, <laughs> And so it'd be like, went to a dance, looking for a romance, saw Barbara Gale, so I threw up on her pants, Barbara Gale. <laughs> Got her. <laughs> uh, so, Barbarian, um, I think I gotta spoil it. Yeah, this is one of those movies that's tough because it has like, it's like, the okay. twist comes early. Yeah. So I don't know if, how much of even of a spoiler it is. Well, it's it's also difficult because it's what can I compare it to? It's like Terrifier, where it's got like one story that goes for a while, and then a different story starts. That's like it's related to the first story, but it's a separate story, right? And at that point, you already kind of know the secret. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Trying to... I mean... I think I gotta. I guess. I mean... All right. If you haven't, it, if it, you haven't seen it, yeah. pause the podcast. Go watch it on HBO Max. If you don't have HBO Max, call your mom. Get her login. Whatever. <laughs> go watch it. Then come back and listen to the rest of the review. So, welcome back. <laughs> so, Barbarian uh, starts out with this this woman named Tess. She has booked this Airbnb at this little neighborhood in Detroit. She shows up and opens the lockbox, and there's no key inside. She tries to call the owner. This is my nightmare. <laughs> this is my nightmare. Tries to call the owner. Doesn't get an answer. So she's sitting there. She looks out. All the other houses on the block are like all dark. It's very creepy and ominous. This is Detroit. <laughs> right. <laughs> she sees a bear walking down the street. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I mean, something that you don't really see in this first scene because it's nighttime and it's raining is that this is a shitty neighborhood. The yeah. house that she's going to looks pretty nice. Yeah, it's a cute little house. Yeah. But yeah, like I said, all the neighboring houses are just like super dark. There's no lights on, no porch lights or street lights or anything. Yeah. But she turns around and she notices that the light in the house is on. And so she looks in and she sees somebody in there. So she knocks on the door. Bill Skarsgård opens the door. And it's Pennywise. He's a guy. There's a part in this where he says, like, you know, I'm not some monster or something. I was like, ha. <laughs> but he opens the door and he's like, what? She's like, who are you? And he goes, who are you? <laughs> and she's like, this is my my Airbnb. Like, I rented it on Airbnb. And he's like, I rented it on HomeAway. Is that a real thing? I don't know. I, I think so. I've never heard of it. But so they start talking. They realize that they got double booked. You know, the house got double booked. And so uh, Tess starts trying to call around for hotels and Skarsgård, his name is Keith. Uh, he says, I just remembered there's like a convention. There's like a medical convention in town. So all the hotel rooms are going to be booked. 
this whole thing is very sketchy. It it all feels very sketchy. And he like you know offers to make her tea, which as if those of us who have seen Get Out, we know what happens with tea. Right. The stirring and the clinking. Why why is it always tea? I don't know. People take solace in tea. I, yeah, I guess it's very comforting. I don't like tea. I I like tea sometimes. I don't like tea. I okay. drink I drink coffee like a man. <laughs> I, I drink both. Uh I go both ways. <laughs> hey oh. But so Keith is just like <coughs> he's like, you know, it look, if if you want, you can stay here. I'll sleep on the couch. You can have the bed. And she's like, you know, no, you know, you you can have the bed. He's like, nope. Blame it on my upbringing, but I'm a gentleman. I'm not going to sleep in the bed while the woman sleeps on the couch. And so they, you know, she agrees to stay. They kind of start talking. They have a bottle of wine. Have some, uh, some similarities in common. You know, she's there for a job interview for this documentarian who's working on a new documentary and he's actually like he he knows he's he said he was the founder of the lion tamers whatever that is i got the impression they were like a jazz group yeah it was something music related yeah and like i said the documentarian is is doing a documentary about these groups in detroit and it again it kind of seems like he almost like he like knew going into it what she was there for and stuff and it was like he was you know, feeding her lines. So it all felt very, and like, if you've seen the trailers and stuff, the marketing all makes it seem like Bill Skarsgård is a little sketchy. Yeah. But so that night she goes to bed and in the middle of the night she wakes up and her door's open and she hears Skarsgård out there. He's like, <laughs> and he's having some night terrors. <laughs> but she goes out there and wakes him up and he's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And she's like, you were making noises. I don't know. <laughs> and it's funny because like he spent all night being so gentlemanly 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 thank you my nose is like <laughs> you know like when like the back of your sinuses are congested you know what i mean like yeah. right where your sinuses meet your throat and you just kind of you know, get this thing you're like my sticky shoe <laughs> 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 that was a pull. <laughs> I'm glad you got it. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, some words with a lot of M's and N's. It's still a little bit of a challenge. Anyway. Anyway, he was being gentlemanly. Yeah, and then like, you know, that's kind of adding to the fact that you think he's a little, a little, a little sketch. Off. Yeah. And then she goes and wakes him up and he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> he's like, oh, he's cool. He's fine. <laughs> but yeah, so she like goes back to bed and she's like, you know, make sure the door stays shut and is locked and all this stuff. She wakes up in the morning. He's gone. There's a note that says, you know, hope, hope to see you again tonight. Had a great time, whatever. And she, she is getting ready or goes to her interview, actually. Um, but when she leaves the house, she realizes that not only is it like a bad neighborhood, like every other house is just burnt out destroyed like barely standing yeah and she goes to this interview and the the woman she's interviewing with is just like you know oh where are you staying she said oh i'm at this airbnb in whatever neighborhood and she was like you should not be there yeah. if there's this neighborhood in your town where you say it and somebody like immediately knows it 
maybe not a good thing. Yeah. Like sometimes, like if it's a nice, like a really nice neighborhood, where like the rich people live, that's one thing. But if that's not the case, then it's the other one. Yeah. <laughs> but she goes back to the house and she's going to the bathroom and she's out of toilet paper. This is my nightmare. <laughs> so she realizes the toilet paper is down in the basement. It's a, you know a creepy basement. But she goes down there. And while she's down there, she notices this rope like sticking out of the wall. And she pulls it, and this door opens. Not really a door so much as just a chunk of the wall cut out. Right. And it opens. And she does what most of us would do, which is look at it and go, nope. <laughs> yeah. And there's like there's just this long corridor behind it that kind of fades out into the darkness. Right. Yeah. <laughs> nope. <laughs> but the door to the basement swings shut and is locked from the other side. So yep. now she's stuck in there, but she notices th- at the end of this hallway is another door. So she like rigs up this mirror to like shine the light, like reflects the light down the hallway. And she goes down there and she opens the door and in this room is a bed and a camera and a bucket. Right. And there's like a bloody handprint on the wall. And that's when she's just like, well, fuck this. <laughs> And so she, like, finally Keith comes back, and she's, like, knocking on the window, gets his attention, is able to get him the key, because she's still got the key in her pocket, is able to get him the key, so he comes in, lets her out, she's like, we need to leave, because there's some fucked up shit going on in this basement. I don't know what it is, but there's a room with a bed and a bucket and a camera, and that's never good. (laughs) And he's like, all right, let me go check it out. Can you just... Stay, like, don't leave, because just in case I get locked down there. Stay here, little girl. I'll look into this. And so he goes down there, and he's down there for a long time. Until finally she is just like, you know, hey, Keith, are you okay? She props the door open with a chair, goes down there, goes into the room, and he's he's gone. He's just not there. So she sees, she finds another door at the end of the, like, because the door to the camera room is off to the side and she she knows there's another door at the end of the hall and she opens that and there's a stairway down even further underneath this is when my curiosity would uh, expire this is when i go oh well keith's dead <laughs> sucks for him i'm getting the <laughs> fuck out of here nice knowing you um i guess there is a part when she's first going to, to the interview when she comes out of the house this homeless guy like runs up to her and she's like hey lady hey lady <laughs> hey lady <laughs> jerry lewis <laughs> But she's like, ah, gets in the car and drives away. <laughs> oh, fuck. Actually, no, I take that back. It's when she comes back and she runs into the house. Right. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I think that's why she like didn't know. She would have kept the key. Never mind. That was, yeah, that was why she had the key in her hand because she rushed in. Right. Um. So she. She's English. She's English, isn't it? Isn't it? She's British. You sound like you're from London. She goes down these steps because she hears Keith. And so she goes down the steps and Keith like bursts out of the darkness looking all all haggard. And uh, she's like, we got to go. He's like, there's someone else here. And she's like, okay, well, let's fucking go. Yeah. 
And she's like, well, you know, let's, let's go back this way. And he's like, no, that's where they were. And she's like, no, I just came from that way. That's the way out. And he's like, no, no, we can't go back that way. We have to go this way into the darkness. And you're just like, oh, Scar's guy's going to, he's going to fuck her up. Suddenly this giant naked woman with long boobs grabs Skarsgård head and just smashes it against the wall repeatedly. Yeah. So he did. He did. So like I said, all the marketing of this movie is built around Bill Skarsgård. Right. And he's dead about 45 minutes in. Yeah, it's like, you know, like watching the trailers, seeing the marketing and stuff, you know Bill Skarsgård's in it and Georgina Campbell. That's you a place test? Yeah. Okay. Like, they, you know they're the main characters. And then Justin Long's in it. And like, we have no idea how he fits into this. Right. Yeah, like, uh, I actually got my girlfriend to watch some of it. And she was, you know, we were both just like, you know, Skarsgård's clearly clearly being creepy. Right. And then as soon as he dies, she's just like, well, now I got to watch the rest. Yeah. Now I'm invested. <laughs> she was like, we were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but so we cut to L.A. L.A. Oh. Justin Long. He's driving along. He's driving along the PCH. That's what they call it out there. They call it a PCH. Yep. That's what they call it out there in OC. You take the PCH to Penga Canyon. Did you hear what I said? What did you say? I said that's what they call it in the OC. <laughs> don't, don't call it that. <laughs> but he's driving. He's singing some weird song about mongooses. As you do. <laughs> what was that song? I don't know. But he gets a phone call. And it's like his agent his lawyer and like a couple other people all on this call. One of which is Kate Bosworth. Yeah. For whatever reason, you never see her, but it's her voice. And they're just like, Hey, uh, so you know that show that you're supposed to do? Uh, yeah, that's not going to happen because your co-star is accusing you of rape. Right. His face was priceless because it was so, accurate yeah like it's it's this long conversation where they're just like you know she accused you of i think she said being sexually aggressive i think is what she says at first yeah yeah and he's just kind of like well what do you mean like you know like does it what does this mean for the project like is is it the, it's still going forward or and they're just like you know it's probably going to go forward but without you and he just starts keeps asking questions the guy's like you know tell him about the other thing and uh i'm guessing it's kate bosworth is just like i don't think now is the right time and he's like, no, what, what's the other thing? Like, tell me. And they're just, he's like, what? Did she, did she like accuse me of rape? And they're like, yes. And yeah, then he just like, he's driving, but with this vacant stare. And he's just like, I got to call you back. And just pulls off and just stares into the ocean. Yeah. So he's like, in a matter of about two minutes, he's found out that his project is dead. Well, with him anyway. Yeah. Uh, he has been accused of rape. And because of the optics on it, He's being fired. Yeah. So it's not a not a good day for him. Yeah. <laughs> but so he goes to his uh, um, accountant or wealth management. And the guy's just like, you know, assuming no new money was coming in. <laughs> he's like, that's a pretty good fucking assumption. <laughs> he says, you know, how much how much is your, your legal fees and all this stuff? And he says, well, it's going to be seventy thousand dollars to defend myself and then I'm going to counter sue which is probably going to be another $70,000 and the guy's like looking over the numbers and he goes you've probably got about three months he says you know you've got some properties in Michigan or yeah in Michigan you know maybe you could sell one of those and we're like oh okay that's yeah. where Justin Long comes in because like when it cuts to him I'm just like why are we in LA now like what is what does any of this have to do yeah. with anything 
See, like, at the very beginning of the movie, we see that Tess appears to be avoiding somebody, an ex-boyfriend or, or something. And so my assumption was that he was the ex-boyfriend. Mm. And that he's going to, you know, he finds out that she's missing or hasn't been heard from or something. And he's going to go out and save the day. But that, obviously, course corrected pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> I think it's funny when he's in this meeting, you know, his accountant is laying all the stuff out for him. He's like, also, I can't represent you anymore. Oh, yeah. So his accountant fires him the same day. <clears throat> but so he flies out to Michigan. He's like, he's at the airport talking to his agent. He's like, hang on, I'm getting in a rental. And his agent's like, what do you mean you're getting in a rental? He's like, a rental car. But I'm at the airport. I'm in Michigan. He's like, you're not supposed to leave the state. <laughs> he's like, why? I'm not being arrested. And he's like, well, he's like, I'm going to get arrested. Yeah. Indicted. <laughs> <laughs> But so he goes to this house, which of course is is the house, and he notices there's like a suitcase there, and there's like an empty bottle of wine, and the beds are all undone. And so he calls like the management company, and uh, you know he's just like, who the fuck is in my house? And they're like, oh, we haven't rented out in weeks, so there shouldn't be anybody there. And he's like, well, there is. <laughs> like there's stuff everywhere. And he notices the um, door to the basement is open, so he closes that. Um, eventually he does go down there though. And I don't remember why. Did he hear a noise or something? Um, I don't remember. I don't either. But for whatever reason, he does go down there and, uh, he goes down. (laughs) His first reaction when he sees this hidden door is not like, this is fucked up. Why is there a surprise tunnel in this house that I own? His first thought is more square footage. Right. <laughs> I can work this to my favor. And so he's down there like measuring. He's got this measuring tape going down this hallway. He doesn't react to the room with the camera at all. No. Other than just measuring it. And then like he opens the other door and he's just like fucking score even more. But he oh, goes maybe there. that's what he was doing down there. He was measuring square footage maybe because I remember he was looking on his phone he's like can an unfinished basement be considered square footage yeah but that was after because he went down there first for some other reason because when he was he was standing at the top of the door screaming like I've got a gun if there's somebody down there I'm going to shoot you yeah maybe he must have heard a noise then yeah but he gets uh he he sees this woman, this naked woman, and he runs and he falls in a pit, and like this gate closes, and Tess is in the pit. I hate when that happens, <laughs> Tess is in the pit, and suddenly this woman like sticks a baby bottle through the gate, and Tess is just like, "Drink it," <laughs> and just along is just like, "No, right? Like, <laughs> like no, like I'm not." gonna do that and then like <laughs> it gives the puts the bottle in front of tessa's face and she's just <laughs> i'm just like what is happening this is so fucking bizarre <laughs> but then there's one yeah, like it's at this it's 
about this point in the movie where I'm like, this is not what I was expecting. Yeah. <laughs> this woman like drags him out and takes him into this other room and starts breastfeeding him. <laughs> uh, we then get this flashback to the 80s. I don't know exactly what year, but um, we see this man coming out of the house and it's Richard Brake. And he like goes to the grocery store and he's getting all this baby stuff. And like the woman helping him is just like, you know, oh, how old is your little one? He goes, oh, not here yet. And she's like, okay, well, what do you need? Your midwife should have given you a list. And he's like, nope, it's, it's just me. She's like, oh, you poor thing. <laughs> so he's getting like plastic sheets and, uh, you know, diapers and latex gloves and just all this stuff. And then as he goes to leave, he notices this woman getting in her car and he follows her home. Because he's Richard Brake and he's a fucking creep. Yeah. Like as I'm watching this, I turned to my girlfriend. I was just like, Richard Brake is such a creepy fucker. Mm. <laughs> but so he gets in his trunk and he pulls out this jumper, like this uh, um, coveralls. Coveralls. My mind wanted to say unitard, and I knew that wasn't right. <laughs> <laughs> it says Carlos, which no one ever questions. Even his neighbor, his neighbor's sitting there talking to him, calling him Frank repeatedly, and never says, "Why do you have a name that says Carlos?" <laughs> But he goes to this woman's house, says he's with the plumbing company, and there's been some reports of outages in the area. I was like, outages? Because <laughs> at first I thought he was supposed to be like the uh, power guy. But then he like went and flushed the toilets and stuff. But he like unlocks the window while he's in there. Mm. And uh, so back in real time, um, uh, let's see. How do they get out of the pit? Oh, I guess Tess runs out when the mother, as they call her, is is breastfeeding right. Justin Long. Uh, the homeless guy finds her and tells her, uh, you know, he turns out he was trying to warn her the whole time, but he says, you know, she she smashes the window and escapes. And he's like, you, you need to just leave. Like, don't. She's like, there's somebody else in there. And he's like, fuck him. Yeah. He's dead. Like, just don't worry about it. But so she leaves and goes to this gas station, calls the police. The police show up and they think that she's just like a crackhead because she's just filthy and yammering on about crazy women. And so, but they finally agree to go to the house. And they don't see anything and they don't have a search warrant, so they can't go inside. And so they're just like, you know, you're lucky we're not taking you downtown. They leave. And uh Because it's Detroit and they got other things to do. Yeah, like while they're while they're talking to her, they're like, We've got gun uh, we've got shots fired. Right. <laughs> but so she um it's it just no, in the flashback to the 80s, it's funny because it's the same neighborhood, except it's all bright and vibrant. Yeah. Like all the dilapidated houses are now, you know, people are living there. They're, you know, well manicured and, and it's a nice neighborhood. Kids right. It's very like playing. utopian looking. Yeah. Yeah. It almost looks like something out of like Edward Scissorhands or something. Yeah. That's exactly what I thought. Um, But she breaks into the house, gets her car keys. And as she's leaving, the mother like runs out of the house. And so she guns it, smashes her 
into the house and just like pins her against the house until we think she dies. Dies, 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 dies. Uh, she goes back inside, gets Justin Long, who I guess I don't know if my timeline is right here, but he Justin Long, as he's going through the hallway, uh, he discovers that Richard Brake is still alive and living in the house, but he's like bedridden, nonverbal, nonverbal. <clears throat> Um, yeah, and he's like pointing over to the side, and Justin Long's like, "Oh, you you need water here? Here's some water." And the guy he just keeps pointing. He's like, "I don't know what you want." So he just like grabs the whole end table, brings it over, and he opens the drawer and pulls out a gun. <laughs> and Justin Long's like, "Whoa, whoa! Like, let's let's talk about this." But he puts it to his own head, fires the trigger. Right. So Justin Long, of course, grabs the gun, as you do, as I I would, yeah. <laughs> Um, and he's coming out of the hallway and he sees somebody. So he fires, it's Tess. So they leave, they run to the water tower where this homeless guy is staying. He lets them into his little shanty. It's, I don't know what this building was, but it was like big for just being like a homeless guy's home. I mean, it's, it's Detroit. It could have been anything. <laughs> like he, like you know, it's just, it just has like a tarp for a door that he pulls back. But once they go inside, I'm like, this place is huge. Like, <laughs> but he says, you know, she'll be fine until morning. Like, you guys need to just stay here until morning because she doesn't come out in the, during the day. So just just stay here until morning, and then you can go get her help. And they're like, well, how do you know that we'll be safe? And he goes, I've lived here 15 years, and she has never come into this motherfucker. Right at that moment, the mother bursts through the wall. Like, doesn't even come in through the door. Bursts through the concrete wall and kills this guy. fucking Kool-Aid man. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, oh, yeah. (laughs) So they run and they... Justin Long's like, I can't climb the fence. There's barbed wire. And I'm like, how about the hole you came through? (laughs) But they So they climb up the water tower. And while they're up there, Justin Long is like, I can get away, but you have to distract her. And so he grabs Tess and he just goes, hey, come get your baby and throws her off the water tower. After he has this speech about how like, he's not a bad guy. He's just a good, he's a good guy that did a bad thing. Right. And then he throws her off the top of the water tower. Uh, but she lives because the mother dives after her. And apparently the mother like broke her fall. Hmm. Which I don't think would happen. I don't think the mother would have been able to catch her. There's a lot of things in this are just like um, unbelievable. <laughs> um, but like Justin Long goes down and he helps her up. He's like, you know, I, I'm sorry. I, I needed to do something. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure you understand. She would have killed us both. Suddenly the mother sits up Undertaker style, <laughs> jams her thumbs into Justin Long's eyes, and then rips his head in half. And I was like. Well, that was quick. <laughs> and then she like tackles Tess. Tess is able to grab the gun, puts it up to her face, pulls the trigger, bang, credits. And then like interspersed through the credits, we see her kind of limping along. Right. And that's it. And there it is. My biggest question was the homeless guy talked about how the mother was like the result of inbreeding upon inbreeding upon inbreeding. Yeah. But he also said she lived in that house for 40 years. Which 40 years would be 1982, which was right around the time when the flashback was. Well, I mean, he probably didn't just suddenly start then. 
He'd probably been doing it for a while. But do you, so you think that woman he followed was like already one of his children? Wait, the, say that again. Because the guy said that she was the result of incest upon incest. Yeah. Which would mean that he was like sleeping with women and then sleeping with their children. Yeah. But he also said that this woman had been in the house for 40 years. Right. 40 years ago was when we saw him follow the woman home and unlock her window, assumedly to come in and uh, probably rape her. Right. So I assume that woman couldn't have been the first in the lineage then if if the mother had been in the house for 40 years, is what I'm saying. Well, I mean, he was buying all those baby supplies. Do so you think there was already a baby in the house? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, that part was a little, little, uh, little confusing, but... Overall, though, I thought this was really good. It was pretty good. It was uh, it was weird, man. It was a weird fucking movie. Like you said, definitely not what I expected from no. the from the marketing. The marketing seemed like it was like Bill Skarsgård is a creep that like took over this woman's Airbnb, and now he's gonna like like I thought he was gonna like lock her in and torture her or something. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that is gone in the first third of the movie. Right. Yeah, it definitely. Yeah, the the, the sudden turn. Was very unexpected, and you know, this already made it through its theatrical run and was on HBO Max. For that twist to have been so well maintained up until the point where we actually watched it was surprising. Yeah, it's funny because I had multiple people text me and be like, "Have you watched Barbarian yet?" And I'm like, "No, we're doing it on the show." And they're like, "Okay, I'll wait." <laughs> And so it's like people want to talk about this, but also right. don't want to give up, give away that twist. Yeah, yeah. And I really appreciate that. It's like today, these days, trailers give away so much. Yeah, they do. Especially when they release like five different trailers for the same movie. Yeah. And so for them to like keep this hidden so well, again for so long, mm-hmm. like really is, is an interesting and cool uh, piece of marketing. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, if this would have been spoiled, all of the thrill of the movie would have been gone. Because mm-hmm. this, I feel like this movie was, like, hinges on that 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 twist, that, yeah. that surprise. And so if you go into it already knowing, then it, it, I don't think it's as effective. It's I mean, I imagine it'd probably still be an entertaining movie. Right. But probably not But, like, even, like, like, later in the movie, I think it was around the time when she ran her car into the mother. Um, I remember thinking, you know, a lot of times I'll watch a movie and I'll be like, I bet I know how this ends. And whether I'm right or wrong, I still have that feeling of, I like, I think I know this. I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen here. Yeah. I have no idea where this is going. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, I I went into the movie, not really knowing what to expect because I'm like, I honestly don't really know what this movie's about. (laughs) I mean, that's fine. I've, I've done that before. And then as the movie's going, I'm like, I still don't know what the hell this is about. I don't, I, I don't really know where this is going. And then that twist happens, and I'm like, well, we'll start over here. Because <laughs> yeah. now I have even less idea where this right. is going. So, yeah, uh, wild movie. Um, it definitely had that kind of like... Um, 
like a James Wan movie type feel to it. Yeah. But, you know, better. But good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> directed by Zach Krieger. Dude, written and directed by Zach Krieger from fucking whitest kids you know. Oh, fuck. I saw that this morning and I was like, what? Well, goddamn. Fucking Abraham Lincoln himself. <laughs> Listen to the woman, John. What? What? Hey, skinny. Hey, you fat piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Trevor Moore. R.I.P. R.I.P. One love. One love. Um, yes. So, um, good good stuff good movie yeah i liked it i I mean i i won't say there's a lot of twists and turns there are there's one there there are uh, there are a small handful of very distinct twists it's not like a twist field filled movie right all the twists just kind of happen periodically and it's just really just one big twist mostly yeah (laughs) Yeah, the movie really kind of pivots, like I said, about 45 minutes in. Yeah. And where, and like when Skarsgård first got killed, I was like, so is this like supernatural? Because of the way the look of the woman looked like she's like a monster. Right. She's a huge bitch. Yeah. She's like, she's like super tall, pear shaped, and like I said, with long boobs. Yeah. Really long boobs. Yeah. Probably just from like so much forced breastfeeding. So much breastfeeding. 40 years, one would think. Played by a man. Yep. Just was swinging titties. Uh, I don't know. I don't really have a lot to add on, I guess. It's just it's, it's, it's a good movie. I mean, it's, it's entertaining and... Not super gory. No. Not super, like... Violent either like the Skarsgård's death is the most violent and the most gore, most gory, and and you know Justin Long's death sounds gory, but like the execution of it is there's like goop that comes out of his eyes when she sticks her thumbs in, which is gross, but um, otherwise it's not super like like it, you see his head split from the back and then he just kind of falls off frame real mm-hmm. quick, so it's not super super gory. Um, and like my girlfriend was saying, she's like, I appreciate that they didn't like show Richard Brake like break into the girl's house later and like you know, get real um, violent and detailed in his attacking her. Like, they kind of leave some things up to the imagination. Yeah. But yeah, like, I I mean, you know me that I, I appreciate sometimes that less is more and just like showing him unlock the window is just like, oh man, that's fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I won't go as far as to say that rape scenes are unnecessary because if it's a, essential part of a story to, to to drive a certain thing forward, then, I mean, it kind of needs to be there. It doesn't need to be graphic. Yeah. Usually. <laughs> Again, if, I mean, I don't know. I mean, there, there's, a, there's a time and place for everything, I guess. <laughs> and usually you don't need a graphic rape scene. Um, I'd say more often than not, you don't need a rape scene. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, I agree with you. It was not, uh, it was 
a good is a clever way to insinuate that without actually having to show it. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, like I said, I liked it a lot, and it's it's free if you have HBO Max. Like I said, if not, then go find somebody's login. There you go. Go watch it. Yep. Yep. Uh, eight. Mm, I'm going to go seven. Okay. I think I probably would have given it an eight if there was more gore. Sure. Because, you know, that me. Yep. You're a gore whore. <laughs> that's me. All right. Well, that's it, guys. That's the end of the episode. The long, hard road. So hard. So road. <laughs> um, so... The original plan was to get back on schedule and uh, have another episode for you next week. But because that is going to be Thanksgiving, you know, the kind of the long weekend and doing family stuff and things like that, it's just, it's probably not going to be able to get together to record. So we're going to push it out two weeks and we'll be off schedule for one more episode. But then after that, we should get back on our original schedule to finish out the year. Uh, Taylor, what are we going to be watching next episode? Uh, we're going to be watching uh, Nocebo, which I just learned is a word. Is it? Yeah. Apparently it's like, uh, like, you know how placebo is something you give someone with no effect. Right. A nocebo is something you give them with an intended negative effect. Huh. Uh, as well as blood relatives. Oh, what happened? Uh, I just, I don't, I don't know how horror the menu is. I don't. Fair enough. Like, I still want to see it, but I just, like, every time I see a trailer, I'm just like, this looks like an action movie. An action movie? I don't know if it's an action movie. I know, I don't think, I'm like, but just like, there's like action scenes and stuff, and it just, I don't know. And like, I asked, I asked our friend Bob if, uh, you know, because he saw it, and I asked, I said, is it a horror movie? And he, he said that it's genre in like the dark, um, dark satire. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know how much that falls into our show's. Yeah, I mean we've we've done things that aren't. Yeah, but usually we thought they were horror. And we Fair enough. Ended up, but uh, Blood Relatives is a new vampire movie written, directed, and starring uh, Noah Segan. So, oh yeah, I almost picked, I almost picked that one. So there you go. Uh, okay, yeah, and now we don't have to go to the theater. Yes, that, that is a, a added bonus. Yeah, that was was what was going to make things most difficult. Yeah, for me is trying to find time to go to the theater. So, I'd, I'd I'd almost say okay. Well, maybe we can record next weekend, but we we've already committed. It's Thanksgiving weekend. It's it's, it's best to just not push yeah. ourselves. Yeah, I got to do the Thanksgiving stuff and then get a jump on like Christmas decorations and stuff. Yep. Got to put lights on the house. Yep. The hoose. Yep, that. Like that Christmas thing. Vacation. Yeah, like the, the show. The show. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, guys. Uh, well, we'll be back in a couple of weeks uh, to talk with you again. Um, until then, Taylor, where can people find us? 
They can find us at graveplotpodcast.com as well as wherever you listen to your podcast. Make sure to rate and review, subs- rate, review and subscribe. Smash that like button. Give us five stars. Uh, just If you can put some in the text box, it helps. I don't know why, but it does. I've noticed that they give more weight to the reviews that actually say things. It doesn't matter what you say. You can say poop. You, you can literally just say, I'm doing this because they told me to. It doesn't <laughs> matter. Yeah, put, put poop. I don't know. I don't give a fuck. Uh, also, you can follow us. We are on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and now TikTok as Grave Plot Podcast. And for now, we're still on Twitter as Grave underscore Plot. Yeah, we might be moving over to Mastodon. Are we? I don't know. That's a new thing, though. The kids are doing it. Mastodon seems so confusing to me. I have, n- I have never even looked at it, so I don't really know. It has like different servers for different topics. Oh, bother. Yeah, like that's, it seems too niche to me. I don't want to do all that extra work. Yeah, like if I had a personal one, like I would just want to fo- like I like to follow sports, horror movies, and wrestling. Like I don't need to do that from three different sites. Yeah, I just want to like. I mean, one thing I, I I fucking hate Twitter like so much, but the one thing I do like is it has a pretty good idea of like tweets that I want to see. Yeah, and that's that's what I appreciate about it. But, uh. I don't follow a lot of people because I don't really use Twitter much. But yeah. when I do log in, it's nice to see, you know, you know, suggested for you or whatever they call it and, you know, trending near you, that, that kind of thing. So I don't know if, if there isn't a good option to kind of supplement that, then whatever. Again, I don't really use Twitter, so it's no big loss to me one way or the other. Yeah. <clears throat> I think. I never really got into Twitter. I've always thought it was kind of garbage, and then as it grew more, it just became more and more of a cesspool. Uh, and I'm just like, why do people use this? Why is this so popular? <laughs> this is trash. Anyway, okay, guys. Well, we'll be back in a couple weeks. Catch us then, guys. Same fucking bat time, same bat channel, or whatever. R.I.P. Kevin Conroy. One love. And Jason Dimfrake, man. And Gallagher. And Gallagher. What the fuck? What what is happening? What's happening in the world? And then, like, a bunch of comic book artists died, too. I won't won't get into that, because you wouldn't even know who I was talking about. But just, like, what is happening? (sighs) World's ending. End of days. All right, guys. Uh, we'll see you next time. Until then, I'm Skeletoni. I'm Taylor of Terror. This has been the Grave Plot Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside. Father, where's his Sunday best? Mother's touching. The rest the kids are playing up downstairs Sister's sighing in her sleep Brother's got a date to keep He can't hang around Our house In the middle of our street Our house In the middle of our Our house, it has a crowd There's always something happening And it's usually quite loud Our mum, she's so house proud Nothing ever slows her down and a mess is not allowed Our house in the middle
sees them up with a small kiss. She's the one they're going to miss in lots of ways. 